Welcome to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. It's once again the Ben Knight, the man who knows too much about Batman, along with my co-hosts. You got it, Zach. Go ahead. Oh! First. Well, shit, it's usually you first, so it's it's your dear old Uncle Joker's back, and we're here to talk about me, of course. Not really, we're here to talk <laughs> about... You're in, like, you're in two issues, Joker. A little bit the me with the big crooked teeth. Uh... For the long Halloween. But yes, dear old Uncle Joker, I'm just going to keep adding more adjectives as we go to the <laughs> Uncle Joker. And it's Andrew, everybody. And I think we have a bold statement uh, a warning for this episode, probably, huh, Ben? Yes, indeed. indeed. But <laughs> okay. before we get into that, we also have a special guest returning to us, John from About Faces. Hi, thank you so much for having me back on. No problem. We uh, a lot of this stuff is stuff that uh, I know that you've pointed out on your blog, and sure. we just couldn't have done it without you. So, dude, thank uh, you. It is Halloween month, and it was time we talked about the most popular Halloween-related Batman comic, which is, of course, the Long Halloween. Oh man, look at that! It's got dates and stuff. So this was a request actually from a fan of ours way back. Sparkageddon318 said, quote, <laughs> Say, Ben, can you all do a deep dive into Batman the Long Halloween? I'll love to hear your opinions. So here we go. I said, stay tuned this upcoming Halloween, and I'm a man of my word. So here we are. <laughs> so That's the awesome, Long man. Halloween is a 13-issue comic series written by Jeff Loeb, art by Tim Sale, letters by Comic Craft and Richard Starkings, of colors by... Uh, Gregory Wright. I was about to say Jeffrey Wright, but that's a completely different person. Uh, so, it is widely regarded as one of the best Batman stories of all time, as we can see here with various fan sites putting it pretty much in the top ten, if not at number one or two or four, as we can see at Newsarama on the uh, visuals on the YouTube. Uh, it was influential on Christopher Nolan on the Dark Knight trilogy, uh, where he said, quote, the Long Halloween is more than a comic book. It's an epic tragedy, which they, of course, okay. put on the absolute edition for Long Halloween because, of course, you're going to have a Christopher oh, yeah. Nolan quote on that. Um, there's also a favorite of upcoming Batman director Matt Reeves saying that uh, he basically listed that along with its sequel, Dark Victory, in a tweet on his favorite Batman stories. Uh, another thing to consider is that the writer of The Long Halloween and Dark Victory, Jeff Loeb, was a screenwriting teacher for Matt Reeves at USC. Dang. So uh, these two actually know each other. Uh, and The Long Halloween itself is going to be featured in a box set next year with Batman Year One and Batman Ego among the comics that inspired the upcoming movie wow. from Matt Reeves. So How much of an inspiration one. were they, I wonder? <laughs> we'll see. They put a Maybe new edition a out inspiration. today. Mm -hmm. Do you see there's a new edition they put out today? A whole new cover mm -hmm. and everything? Yeah, they had a, they had a, uh, is it a whole new edition, or is that the new comic? Uh, no, the new, new comic is not out yet. Uh, it's a uh, whole new okay. edition that actually has Batman, Two-Face, and Jim Gordon on the rooftop with all new all new Tim Sale cover. So there. Yeah, I guess that's cool. Yeah. If, they don't, if you don't already have this comic. <laughs> but I feel like a lot of the fans listening in have read this. Sure. Uh, but as a quick recap of The Long Halloween... Let's go into it. It is a comic set during Batman's early days of crime fighting. Gotham mobsters are being targeted every holiday by a serial killer called, well, for lack of creativity, Holiday. Oh. So uh, the mobsters are slowly getting killed off and District Attorney Harvey Dent gets corrupted along the way and becomes the famous rogues gallery villain Two-Face, leading the standard rogues gallery into taking over 
Gotham by the end. This is this storyline itself is credited for the idea of Gotham's mobsters, the ones that Bruce Wayne originally set out to fight, end up getting taken over by the standard costumed rogues gallery Batman villains that we're used to. So Joker, Two-Face, Penguin, Poison Ivy, even though they are already exist in this storyline, except for Two-Face, uh, they sort of become the kingpins of Gotham after all this. Uh, in terms of the mystery itself about Holiday, Holiday is originally revealed to be the mobster's son, Alberto Falcone. But a final epilogue reveals that Holiday may have actually been Harvey Dent's wife, Gilda, mm. who killed off the mobsters so Harvey would spend more time with her and they could raise a family together. But Gilda also thinks Harvey was Holiday at one point, too. So then this whole mystery is ambiguous in terms of when was Alberto Holiday? Was he actually Holiday? Is she actually Holiday? Is she delusional? How many killers were there? Was Harvey ever Holiday? We still have no idea. Uh, <laughs> there is going to be a new comic that adds more to it, but um, I guess there is one criticism I'm going to throw out uh, already labeled toward this comic in terms of, not specifically from me, but just in general, of like this is a huge mystery story where you don't really get an answer at the end. Uh, has been a criticism, but that's not the main one we'll go into. Um, this storyline, as I said, is credited for a lot of things, but we thought we'd ask the hot button question. Is it actually overrated? <laughs> so... <sighs> <laughs> well, if they've, well, if they've see, clicked and they want to hear about it. Bold statement warning, everybody. <laughs> oh. No. Oh, boy. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> this is John... This is John's feelings towards the comic combined with his anticipation of people's reactions to this, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, it's subjective in terms of whether or not you enjoy the story, but one of the big criticisms of The Long Halloween, aside from this mystery aspect that I talked about, is just how much other movies are actually copied in this comic. Some would say to the point of parody. And the other is how much other lesser-known Batman comics, ones that came out before this one, how much those are sort of remade and brought into this one specific one uh, that we'll bring up in the second half. So of taking so much from other movies and comics, this then brings up the big theme for this episode. How much homage is too much homage, I think is going to be a very important thing because we already know Batman in himself is way more than just a homage to <laughs> the shadow mm -hmm. uh, in many ways. And of course, movies are going to take things here and there from the Batman comics over the course of history. However, where does the line get drawn on that? And I think this comic is one of those where it's really interesting to talk about that. So for the first half, we're going to go into the many movie influences that were on The Long Halloween. And the second half, we'll go into many things from the comics that this comic is credited for doing, but what other comics actually did first. And then we'll end on the episode on what you guys think on whether or not this is actually a problem or if this is just the evolution of the comics. You know, is this is this how things just evolved? We just kind of eat each other in terms of all our different influences. <laughs> Got a lot of Dark Knight so, quotes here today, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> so first off, um, I know that Andrew is a big fan of the title. However, the title itself may actually be a reference to a mob movie. So mm. I did not originally think about this because I have seen mm. this movie a long time ago, but... Uh, I'll let John go a little bit into what are the connections between The Long Halloween and the Bob Hoskins British movie, The Long Good Friday. So that yeah, The Long Good Friday, this is this has been, I haven't heard anybody else bring this up, so I just mm -hmm. maybe 
um, pulling out uh, uh, um, supposition here. But considering as you're going to go into all the movie stuff that Loeb brings in Mm -hmm. um, to The Long Halloween, I think it's very likely that the title was meant to be a play on this film, The Long Good Friday, starring Bob Hoskins and Helen Mirren. And it is a movie um, about a mob kingpin who loses everything over the course of a specific period of time, a specific Mm -hmm. holiday. He goes from the top and loses it all and betrayals happen. Everything falls apart. His entire empire crumbles from, and, and, and enemies come in from the outside and take everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's a great movie. Just on its own. I mean, it's it's a great movie and one of my favorite endings of all time. I can it just it's Hoskins is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like Loeb uh Loeb had, had before doing this, he'd all he and Sale had already become established by doing Halloween Batman specials. Right, they, yeah, the Haunted Night collection. Exactly. Mm-hmm. For the, um, they got special um, comics that were in the Legends of the Dark Knight line that were Halloween-themed. The first was a Scarecrow story, the second was a Mad Hatter story, and the third was a Christmas carol, but a Halloween, so a spooky mm-hmm. carol with Batman. Mm-hmm. And so this was, the Long Halloween was really, they'd already established themselves, and they were, they mm-hmm. were, they were hits with these stories. So I just sort of, fi- I, I sort of just figure... They already got their name doing Batman Halloween stories, and he maybe wants to do us a story about a mobster losing everything over the course of a holiday. Mm. So do the long Good Friday, but stretched out to a year and a month, so it can be a single, a, a single Halloween of a sorts over the course of a whole mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm yeah. just I'm just guessing based on that, but I I personally feel like that seems to be what, what they're going for there. Yeah, I can see that as well. And this kind of leads into something that just occurred to me based off of something Andrew brought up, which is it almost feels like, tell me what you think about this, Andrew. It almost feels like the gimmick of a holiday each time does it has less of an actual story purpose on Gilda's part and more of just an excuse to expand this upon a whole year's worth so that it fits the whole long Halloween theme. You're saying it doesn't have much to do with Gilda? At all, well, really? Yeah, character? It, yeah, uh, because of the fact that it's just like, why every holiday? Like, what's the I mean, point of that gimmick? I mean, my takeaway from this mm-hmm. is like, it seems like they build up Calendar Man to be a big deal. And he's, I mean, spoilers for this, right, by the way. Right. It's for Long Halloween. But he's like, already spoiled red, it. Yeah, it's, yeah <laughs> so red, red herring, he's a red herring ultimately, right? Kind but of, yeah. they're still killing on holidays so Mm -hmm. it seems as if if the killer is gilda which to me it seemed like it was but i guess it's ambiguous but she's but she's become a copycat killer on purpose just to get the scent off of her Mm -hmm. and to make calendar man her red herring essentially Mm -hmm. yeah kind of it gets complicated though because since calendar man is an arkham it's like how much is the suspicion thrown off of her? That's true. Like so it was there the whole time. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, we'll go further into it. But the first one is Long Good Friday, of course, simply due to just that thematic element of the mobster who is subsequently taken down bit by bit over the course of a holiday. Um, but it's not the only crime thriller. One of them uh, that was influential on both the Long Halloween and its sequel, Dark Victory, is the movie The Untouchables. Uh, Kevin Costner, Sean Connery as federal agents trying to take down De Niro's Al Capone. 
both the film and the comic feature the mobster's ledger as a plot point in taking them down, as we can see here. <clears throat> uh, it was also influential on the sequel to The Long Halloween, Dark Victory. The title, I forgot to mention this, but the title, Dark Victory, is also comes from a film noir called Dark Victory. However, <laughs> I couldn't really find much thematic resonance in the Ooh. same way as with The Long Good Friday. Uh, but I would say The Untouchables was an even bigger influence on Dark Victory. I'm not going to get too much into this because it's mainly The Long Halloween, but since we're here anyway, uh, the big influence of The Untouchables on Dark Victory is that Loeb and Sale sort of recast Chief O'Hara from the 60s series into being... Sean Connery from The Untouchables, hmm. uh, right down to the mustache, uh -huh. which the original O'Hara Stanford rep did not have. Not to mention that Sean Connery's character in The Untouchables was meant to be Irish, just like O'Hara. And then we have the similar images here in the YouTube version of both uh, he and Gordon meeting on a bridge with O'Hara being in the uniform and uh, Kevin Costner's Elliot Ness being in sort of the hat and trench coat, just like Gordon classically is anyway. I was uh, sort of half expecting Dark Victory for Batman to be like, I'm doing my best, O'Hara. And for O'Hara <laughs> to respond, only losers do their best. Winners come home and fuck the prom queen. So <laughs> unfortunately, they just, didn't, they just didn't put that part in. If you're going to take anything, at least put that part in. But I know this from a different Connery movie. Um, oh, man. Also, both The Untouchables and Dark Victory have a select list of trusted cops gathered by the Irish cop and the main cop to take down the mobster. Uh, speaking of mobster movies, though, we've also got the Scorsese film Goodfellas. In issue two, there is a character named Willie Two Times who says everything twice, and this seems like a reference to the character Jimmy Two Times in Goodfellas, who also says everything twice. Uh, again, very small thing on it, and we even get a Batman movie reference in here with the Joker. Uh, Joker quotes kind of it's a similar moment as mask of the phantasm in both <laughs> mask of the phantasm and the long halloween uh the songs are used to introduce joker's entrance before joker says a line that i'll have zach go ahead and say i hate that song <laughs> so, <laughs> so yes oh man and further outside of that i think the most apparent is the use of calendar man as andrew and i were previously talking about calendar man is essentially Hannibal Lecter in the storyline. Batman consults Calendar Man to help get inside the head of Holiday since they both committed holiday-related crimes. This, of course, seems like a reference to the use of Hannibal Lecter in novels like Red Dragon and its more famous sequel, Science of the Lambs, most famously adapted in the uh, 91 movie with Sir Anthony Hopkins as Lecter. And I think the idea of a rogues gallery villain serving as Hannibal Lecter is a cool idea, but I will point out something that I think I realized upon research for this episode Hannibal Lecter is pivotal in the capture of the serial killer in Silence of the Lambs. Calendar Man is the opposite. He is yeah. useless in this comic. Yeah. At most, he talks about the possibility that Holiday could be a man or a woman, but it seems like he doesn't actually know who the hell Holiday is. He just wants to make it seem like he does. And then he later suggests, you know, you have something Holiday wants. He's going to target Boss Maroney. And that's about it. And even then, the Moroni thing is something Batman and Gordon could have figured out on their mm -hmm. own. If yeah, Moroni was like, what, one of the last ones left? One of the only ones left? Isn't it? <laughs> I'm so smart. I think it's going to be that one. He's the last monster alive. So, Ben, you're saying they could take out Calendar Man entirely. Yes. And this would just be a totally fine comic. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. I think so. This aspect mainly gets known because people are just like, oh, it's cool. There's this Hannibal Lecter thing of it. But I feel like it doesn't really add anything to it. And yeah. 
Most fans really don't give a shit about Calendar Man outside of this type of role in the long Halloween. <laughs> now I mean, that you say is, that, yeah, I think I was expecting him to do more considering his uh, immediate, the, the presence you feel at first. Yeah, yeah, because it is a cool idea, don't get yeah. me wrong. But then if you take a look at the actual scenes, I'm just like, what is actually accomplished here outside of just the cool image of Batman outside of the cell trying to get some information? <laughs> Right. Go ahead, John. Sorry about that. Oh, yeah. No, I was just going to say, I mean, here's the calendar, man. I, I always kind of felt like, I mean, this is, again, this is just my gut reaction. Because when Long Halloween first came out, uh, I mm-hmm. was thinking, oh, will this be a calendar man story? Because I, I mean, I, Ooh, I, yeah. I was really young. I only knew about calendar man from the Batman role playing game, like source book. Ooh. I didn't play it. I just collected it and it had calendar man yeah. in it. And this is an interesting villain I've never heard of before. And oh, are they going to bring him in? And I sort of feel like he was brought in as an afterthought, like, oh, wait, there was already a, a, a holiday. <laughs> I, Whoops. I, I'm, yeah. I, but how do we, what can I make him uh, make do? Oh, I can bring him in as a, a consultant. And I'm, that's mm-hmm. just, again, this is, again, how, how, how it felt to me when I was reading when it came out. But Calendar Man here, by changing him into Lecter, it raises kind of further questions, especially because this is this is how he's been defined since then. He's appeared in the Arkham games yeah. like this. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure why he's in Arkham or why he seems so is so dangerous. He's kind of being treated <laughs> as I mean, what has he actually done? People in the games have sort of made up that you know he was a he was a holiday murderer of his own, but I don't think the comic even mentioned any of his crimes. I think they just said that he did holiday-related crimes, but Holiday does murder, and he doesn't. So it's like, and it's also, this is supposed to be, at the earliest, the Halloween of year two. So it's kind of weird to be like, we got this sort of Silver Age silly villain already during this time, who's now Mm. locked up in Arkham, but is treated like he's Hannibal Lecter. Like, there's no, like, Silence of the Lambs has that great lead-up to just seeing Hopkins in there. And you already know he's bad news. You've got the whole thing about like, this is what he did to the nurse and, yeah. and stuff. And leaves you up to, it leaves it up to your imagination. And here it's just like, yeah, he just did some holiday crimes. Let's see what he thinks. And he doesn't I, contribute I, anything. Well, can't you assume it's some unspeakable murder though? I mean, it, considering the situation, not that I like calendar manner, I think he should be in the comic, but mm-hmm. I just from my assumption is that he's basically a Hannibal Lecter type, right? He's, mm-hmm. he's, He's not just done crimes, he's killed many people. Uh, that's certainly how other writers have tried doing it since right. then, I think, but mm-hmm. no one's really made it work. I don't recall yeah, it a story. They haven't, they haven't unlocked the Calendar Man key, uh, the lock just yet, huh? Yeah. I would say so, yeah. Outside okay. of this specific role in it. I think this like, would have uh, I think this would have been a better story if it was like a retelling or a reintroduction to Calendar Man and he would have been like the main kind of mystery villain or if this was a uh, like the last arkham where he had like a hidden uh compartment or hidden like passageway to get out of arkham mm-hmm. and he really yeah. was committing all the crimes then he would have been pivotal he would have been like a pivotal part of the story so i think that actually would would have made more that, sense that would have actually um bookended i'm not i'm i have opinions about hush as well but in batman hush <laughs> the whole the whole so do uh, we. yes opinions <laughs> um <laughs> The whole, you know, it would mirror the whole take the character who is considered a Silver Age wash-up joke by at least some people, mm-hmm. and may and have him be dangerous at the end. I, yeah, but that it it would have worked in that regard, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it also would have been because of the thematic idea of 
this is the birth of the rogues gallery finally taking over like you don't have to just do the origin of two-face like imagine if there were like different origins here and there yeah. mm-hmm. of different characters from this story and by the end they evolve i'm not saying you do everybody's origin story that's a little too crowded but like if julian day is like some mob accountant type person and he wants to like take them out and that type of stuff and this is how he becomes calendar man is through these holiday killings it would have like fundamentally changed the character and brought him up into like the a-list mm-hmm. yeah if they did this version but yeah yeah oh well didn't write it so anyway uh <laughs> next, I mean, it next, lends itself to <laughs> detectives to, to a really good detective story too trying to figure out yeah i mean it's like the riddler right it could lend itself to a good you know detective noir thing mm-hmm. uh and yeah it's just not pivotal to this detective noir story right again you know? like i love the idea of batman in a like will graham or clary starling role against a hannibal lecter rogues gallery villain sort of thing i just i love that idea but when i look at these actual scenes i'm just like there's nothing really happening here <laughs> i would have loved i would have loved to have seen uh sale do the classic calendar man costume where he's in red and has a cape made of calendar pages it's ridiculous and ostentatious it's the kind of thing that sale could, I mean, we, we already he did draw that calendar man yeah, from the shadow of the bat um mm-hmm. shortly mm-hmm. before but his art style, you could actually see it evolving over the course of each of these Halloween specials. I would have been, mm-hmm. it would have been really cool to see a, you know, try to contrast his dark, moody thing with this ridiculous, <laughs> ostentatious, and yet I could see it maybe working in the context of the story. That kind of, that kind mm-hmm. of costume. But again, mm-hmm. again, criticizing a story that that didn't happen. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. The next crime thriller I'll have. Um... This was something that John actually introduced me to through the blog, because I had not seen this one. This is a lesser-known Harrison Ford crime thriller, because, you know, outside of the Indiana Jones and Han Solo and Jack Ryan movies and Blade Runner, um, he was also doing a lot of really solid crime thrillers throughout the uh, late 80s and the, and the 90s and stuff. So Witness, The Fugitive, one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. But this one is Presumed Innocent, uh, starring Harrison mm, Ford with uh, Bonnie Bedelia as his wife. Um, have you seen this one, Zach? I have not. It looks familiar. It's got a, uh, and it's then Andrew, you've heard too. of this one. You heard, I've heard of it. I've never seen it. I didn't see it until I read John's blog pointing out the similarities between this one. Because uh, I just heard of it, but I didn't really know what it was about on it. So uh, let's go into it. So Harrison Ford plays a prosecutor like Harvey Dent, and his wife at home is played by Bonnie Bedelia, who's most famous as John McClane's wife in uh, the first two diehards. But something interesting to note that's on uh, John's About Faces is that Presumed Innocent is based off of a book with this cover, which has the Statue of Justice divided in two different colors. Oh, man. Like a certain rogues gallery villain. Uh, Hmm. So that novel is by Scott Turow. And uh, we're about to spoil the ever-loving fuck out of this movie because we kind of have to <laughs> when it comes to the connections here. Um, <laughs> both the film and the comic are If you're worried mysteries. about <laughs> presumed innocence, <laughs> then find it on Amazon Prime right now and go watch it. It's HBO Max right now. Take HBO a Max, wow, great. Okay, there you yeah. go. Um, so... Uh, I'll I'll start and then I'll let John go further into the details here since he introduced this to me. But uh, both feature revelations towards the end set in the basement of the house where the audience finds out that the murderer was the prosecutor's wife. Uh, John, I'll let you go further into that because those are the main things. Sure. Like that's kind of the overarching thing. Uh, I want to actually mention 
that this movie, I, I, I first heard about it through a sketch in, on Kids in the Hall, uh, the great Canadian sketch <laughs> troupe, where a character oh. revealed a character revealed how depraved and how evil he was by spoiling the ending uh to his friend <laughs> yeah 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 and so i that's all this movie was to me and i decided to actually watch it for whatever reason mm-hmm. and the whole plot as you say he's a prosecutor he's a successful man he has a wife who's um it's been a it's been a while since i've seen the whole thing i remember she's got some she's she's and she's stuck at home she is dealing she's unemployed, like a lot trying to find a job yeah 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 and she's um uh, neglected i think it's fair to say by her husband always at work but then her husband has an affair with one of his um staff members who ends up getting murdered and so the whole movie is him being framed for the murder with all suspicion mm-hmm. coming on him all of his dirty uh laundry being aired out and he manages to um be exonerated and is a free man and it's seemingly a happy ending but the murderer is never found and then he goes down to his basement workshop he has the the, his home has a basement workshop that's very dimly lit and creepy and he finds the bloody murder weapon and he realizes oh crap it was my wife she found out about the affair and she Mm -hmm. killed her and and now and the wife sees that he sees so she decides to sit him down and to deliver a detached uh, monologue about theoretically a woman who found out that her husband um, was having an affair and she, because this is a story written by a a dude uh, in in the eighties blames the girlfriend, not the husband, the husband's blameless. He was seduced by the demon and and so she (laughs) kills the mistress and wants to and leaves just enough evidence to try to so her husband could realize it was her and then the, the and then the, he'd be he they wouldn't have to they never have to talk about their their feelings they never have to talk about their problems like like a good wasp couple they never have to talk about it <laughs> um uh but then she doesn't intend for him to actually be accused of a murder and she feels terrible about it and is ready to confess but then at the last second he's exonerated so hooray we can't i don't have to confess and we can go back to our happy lives at the end and that's how the movie ends with harrison ford feeling guilt-ridden that he drove his wife to commit this murder and get away with it and he's the only one who knows mm-hmm. and now they get to um you know live out the rest of their marriage raising their kid with this horrible secret between us between them and uh that's how it ends and so i when I saw that, I saw, of course, the the spooky monologue and the mm-hmm. scary workshop, and I remembered Long Halloween because the workshop they have in the basement is a very particular plot point in the in Harvey and Gilded's basement. They have a workshop in their basement, despite the fact that neither of them ever seem to be doing any home repairs. Like <laughs> I'll get to they, it soon. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think Har- the first time you see it, Harvey's down there with his shirt off, and I, I maybe he's just bored and spinning that little uh, device handle, <laughs> just like doopa doopa do. What am I gonna do about the mop? Doopa doo. Let me brood shirtless here. Yeah, <laughs> that's, how, that's how I do. Oh, yeah. and, and also, if he is doing work, doing work down 
my, my girlfriend brought this up. It's kind of, it doesn't seem very safe to be do, working with equipment with your shirt off down there. <laughs> he doesn't have safety glasses. He's just got, he just got his boobs out and everything. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, yeah. So it, uh, um, it's not like I'll ever be disfigured, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fine. <laughs> My skin will always be fine. <laughs> oh man. Um. So yeah, I when I saw Presumed Innocent for whatever reason, I was just this is this 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 has to be the ending that he was going for. But I've heard nobody mm-hmm. make this connection. Uh, and this is it's one of those things that one of those many things as I try to 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 figure out how my feelings about long Halloween after all these years, I, and I don't see anyone else talk about them. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) (laughs) So it is up to you, dear listeners to (laughs) discern how full of shit I am. (laughs) (laughs) Is her name also Gilda, Gilda in that movie or what? It's not, but I mean, Gilda does come from the original comic where Harvey Dent appeared. Yeah, so, she's had, I gotcha. Yeah. She's had a long history. Over. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, 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 they were just carrying that that aspect over. But if she wasn't named Gilda, who knows? <laughs> who knows right. if right. she right. had the same uh, <laughs> stuff? Could also been Grace. Yeah. So yeah. Ben, you agree with these findings from John? I do. I do. Yeah. Uh, considering right. just the history that we've seen in terms of what's been taken, and then we have, I know John's on his on his blog uh, has pointed out. You've pointed out other instances of like the Michael Mann movie Manhunter influencing in uh, a Gambit comic that they uh, they did. And a Wolverine and Gambit. From that. Wolverine yeah. and Gambit, yeah. So that type of stuff. So it seems likely this is another influence here. So, so far it might seem like, okay, Long Halloween takes from a few crime thrillers. Makes sense, though. This is one of the most famous Batman detective stories. Of course, it's going to have some of the same tropes and influences here and there. Let's talk about the biggest one. A movie that probably takes the most from... It's a lesser-known movie called The Godfather. <laughs> Never heard of it. I've heard of Let this one. Let me stretch on this one. Uh, <laughs> esoteric choice. Yeah. yeah. Um, so spoilers for The Godfather. Oh man! From Francis Ford Coppola and Mario Puzo, but um, the guy that wrote Superman. <laughs> yeah, the guy who the guy who wrote Superman. Actually. He also wrote this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's from that guy who also uh, directed uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. In the oh 90s. God! <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's go into some of the uh, uh, very apparent similarities here. The opening line: "Godfather's is I believe in America," whereas Bruce's is "I believe in Gotham City." Uh, Bruce and this other character, Bonacera, are similar in that they are people who have refused the friendship of a mobster yet still arrive on that mobster's home on a wedding day to say this line. On a bigger note, though, if that wasn't already apparent, let's take a look at Carmine Falcone here. (laughs) Oh, my God. Kind of looks like Marlon Miranda. Just kind of. Oh, my God, dude. (laughs) Just a little. So for the (sighs) listeners who aren't seeing the visuals, we're looking at the first image of Falcone in Long Halloween with the image of Marlon Brando in The Godfather with... Both gray-haired mobsters with mustaches in tuxedos with uh, wedding rings on, smelling a rose in the exact same Coincidence, dude. Just a coincidence, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Sale was not looking at this at all <laughs> when this was happening. Not at all. Um, this has forever solidified Falcone with the Brando character from The Godfather, Vito Corleone. Even though apparently that was not the original intention. John, you told me that, uh, that when Falcone first appeared, 
in Batman Year One, the actor they were thinking of was Lee Van Cleef. Yeah, it was it was pointed out to me by a friend who uh, mm-hmm. very helpfully scanned me some script pages mm-hmm. from Frank from the Absolute Edition. And according mm-hmm. to Frank Miller, he intended um, Falcone. Oh, by the way, we we are do- so we're sticking with Falcone. I always prefer that, but the movie just did Falcone, and yeah, no one did Falcone. Yeah, I say true. Falcone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we're that gonna go with sense. we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna go with Falcone. Yeah. Um, that he would, yeah, <clears throat> that Carmine the Roman Falcone was uh, intended to look <laughs> like Lee Van Cleef, the mm-hmm. um, the classic um, the classic um, character actor who most famous was the ugly, oh, no, sorry, the Eve, the, the bad, the bad, and the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorite movies, which I can't get the title <laughs> right, apparently. <laughs> so, but instead, David Mazzucchelli, um did a different design that wasn't as explicitly, I mean, it's really the pose here that makes him look like Brando with the pose and all the lines that he says. Oh, you mean with Sale here? Yeah. And with Tim Sale in this art here. Mm-hmm. Um but he was, I don't think there was that, I don't know if Mazzucchelli was drawing on anyone in particular. He probably, he might have been because he did, he, I'm um, sorry, Mazzucchelli also drew from celebrities for the basis of his artwork. So there might have been someone right. in mind. And this is who Tim Sale is building off of, which is the art of Mazzucchelli with mm-hmm. Roman and with Harvey Dent yeah. uh, from Batman Year One. Mm-hmm. And who, whoever yeah. Mazzucchelli meant for the Roman to be, Tim Sale really drove it, um, uh, drove those uh, Godfather Vito Corleone comparisons, along you with say. presumably, and you know, and who can blame him because the script is pretty explicit that they're, that they're, that Loeb's script is explicitly just doing Godfather homages mm-hmm. um, left and right. So yeah. you know, this I is just the first two pages right now. Yeah, yeah, we're in the first two pages. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, so that is pretty much. One of the things where Falcone is now suddenly Marlon Brando from The Godfather, hmm. which was not originally apparent in Batman Year One, his first appearance as drawn by Mazzucchelli, as uh, John was talking about. And these connections have followed ever since. The TV show Gotham has gone as far as to call him Don Falcone, just like hmm. there was Don Corleone in The Godfather. Oh. <clears throat> and then in the animated version of The Long Halloween, Falcone insists on being called <laughs> Godfather, <laughs> which... Is also weird to me because the animated movie makes a specific effort to remove the Godfather references, but also makes him say, "You call me Godfather." So and, I'm like, and I there, don't know. and they actually he looks, and he actually looks even more like Vito Corleone in the movie than he does <laughs> by Tim Sale. He, but he looks, he looks like Vito if he like got injected with Bane's venom, like a little yeah. bit, just a little bit of Bane's venom, <laughs> and he can barely keep his tux on. Uh, I've but... been doing some lifting. <laughs> <laughs> I do lifts on this the day of my daughter's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some of the creatine. That guy doesn't have a ball cut, dude. It's not the same. So, uh, Falcone himself isn't the only Godfather homage. His family is too. His son, Alberto Falcone, who's supposedly Holiday, is seemingly a combination of Michael and Fredo Corleone. Alberto is considered the good son. He went to college. He stayed out of the family business, much like Michael at least started off as in, you know, 50% of The Godfather Part 1. But Alberto's also considered too weak to take over, like Fredo Corleone. Funny enough, there's one quick tangent. When Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale shared their ideal cast in Wizard Magazine on who should play Alberto Falcone, their pick was John Turturro. The man who's playing oh, wow. Carmine Falcone in Matt Reeves' The Batman. That's cool. And it seems like 
maybe that's not a coincidence considering the fact that Loeb was Matt Reeves's screenwriting teacher so they knew each other probably around the time that the you know this was put in wizard so that's, uh, that's probably how that came about uh anyway Falcone's other child in the long Halloween at least is Sophia Falcone Sophia seems to be like the other Corleone children as well her being tough and angry enforcer like Sonny uh, while also being the only daughter like Connie and her name Sophia may also be a reference to Sofia Coppola, who infamously played Michael's daughter in The Godfather Part Three before becoming a renowned director herself. Uh, so those are some of the connections on the characters. Maybe some of those characters are similar. That can't be that bad. Well, all right, let's take a look at the plot here. Both The Godfather and The Long Halloween take place on the day of a wedding. Uh, in The Godfather, it's the day of his daughter's wedding, while in The Long Halloween, it's the night of his nephew's wedding. See, that's Both- different. Both feature feature the main mobster watching the wedding through the blinds of his office. Oh my god, dude. Godfather has the FBI arrive at the wedding to jot down license plate numbers, while the long Halloween has Harvey Dent arrive to jot down license plate numbers, which, when you really think about it, is a weird way to introduce the district attorney on this. You would think a cop would be doing that, or Gordon would be doing that, but I'm just like, why is Dent doing this? Um, both weddings have the image of a blonde woman with a cigarette asking about another wedding guest. In Godfather, it's Kay asking about Luca Brasi, and in Long Halloween, it's Carla Vitti asking about Bruce Wayne. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Juno does not have a bowl cut in Godfather. It would have been better with it. No, it wouldn't have. Oh, <laughs> Both have a very similar family wedding picture being taken at the same time. Uh, after the wedding, Batman and Catwoman have a fight in Falcone's penthouse where Falcone says the line, in my own home, where my children sleep, which is a paraphrase of the line from The Godfather Part 2, in my home, in my bedroom, where my wife sleeps. Uh, both Falcone family and the Corleone family, of course, talk, quote-unquote, business as a euphemism for mob activity, which is so standard at this point, it feels less of a specific Godfather reference, sure. but I have to point it out anyway. Uh both have similar images of a couple walking outside of a movie theater together. Um, this next one is where things start getting very weird because the first victim of the long Halloween is Johnny Vitti, who dies in a bathtub filled with blood, similar to Frank Pentangeli in the Godfather part two, who also dies in the bathtub. Both characters had tried to turn witness against their bosses in the past. And, uh, you know, karma comes and catches up to them. Uh, it was our research assistant, Dan, who actually pointed this one out to me. And at first, I was just like, yeah, they're both, they both die in a bathtub, but it's a different type of death, until I took another look at the images here. In The Godfather Part Two, Frank Pentangeli slits his wrists in the bathtub and dies, which is why it makes sense that he's bleeding from the wrist. In The Long Halloween, Johnny Vitti is supposed to be shot in the head. So why is he bleeding from the wrist in this art here and has no wounds in his head whatsoever? Um... Also, and no both blood. men have no blood from the head at all. Yeah. And both men are basically facing this. Their heads are drooped on the same exact side in both of these. So it looks like the uh, uh, famous painting. Uh, it's kind of like the. Yeah, there you go. The death of Marad. Yeah. Uh, it does look yeah, like that. Right. Like mm-hmm. the Godfather uh, framing of that. Mm-hmm. That scene right there, not the one in the Long Halloween, but that definitely reminds yeah. me of that painting. I bet that was yeah. intentional. I bet that was intentional. I think so. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Coppola, Coppola, Artie. <laughs> <laughs> so was this a miscommunication between artist and 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 script script writer? 
It could be because it, there's literally, I mean, right after this is the panel of Harvey Dent saying two shots to the head couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. I'm just like, where, where's the gunshot? Yeah. So it could be, it could be that too. So he was maybe I, given this movie and said, Hey, draw these scenes, including this one. Mm-hmm. And then, so he draws it and then they write the script. They change just the, the actual long Halloween script to, to gunshots. Maybe. maybe. I mean, he maybe. is still shot though. He's supposed yeah. to be shot. So yeah, even if yeah. he wasn't shot in the head, why is yeah. he bleeding from the wrist? I'd be curious to read the script. I don't think, I don't know if that's yeah. ever been published anywhere. I mean, I'm kind of kicking myself for not looking it up beforehand to see. Gilda if... was so good at shooting that she <laughs> shot the bullet and it grazed his wrist, which yes. split the wrist. Yes. And then he just bled out. <laughs> and the two shots to <laughs> the head. I I got, no, I, I got nothing. I got nothing funny or witty. I can't, I can't figure it out. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> she she runs fast as shit too. By the way, I noticed that watching the movies. I mean, I was able to tell more. She's like a fucking Olympic runner. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. As, as Holiday, I, yeah. I I forgot about that. Yeah. She's yeah. supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She looks, also looks very manly in one shot. Yeah, <laughs> when, yeah. When her face is covered hmm. up. Um. Okay. So let's keep going. In the Godfather, one character sees a bunch of money and says, "If this were someone else's wedding." Well, on the long Halloween, Harvey Dent sees Falcone's money and says, if we were two other guys, uh, the Godfather features a character showing Michael a famous recipe for how to make pasta sauce, which Carmine Falcone does for his son in issue two. In both cases, they talk about the sausages and adding those in there. Uh, Issue four, Falcone's sister says, just like Papa, you keep your friends close, but your enemies closer, which is, again, a direct lift from because that's the famous line from Godfather 2. Uh, both movies also feature the death of one of the mobster's sons, Sonny in The Godfather and Alberto in The Long Halloween. Though Alberto's death is a fake-out in the comic, not so much of a fake-out in the movie where Definitely he gets not. chopped up to death in the, um, in the propeller of the boat. <laughs> threw I was me, like, oh, he... Threw me for a loop watching that. I was like, <laughs> he ain't coming back. He ain't holiday. <laughs> Wait, is this another fake-out? Oh, nope. They are really making it clear that it is not. Yep. Okay. I had to get shot first. Then when I got to the close of the fans, I unloaded this huge bag of body parts. So that everyone would think it was me. Some chum in the water. <laughs> um, in The Godfather, the rival to the Corleone family, Salozzo, says to a corrupt official on his payroll, try the veal. It's the best in the city. In The Long Halloween, Moss Moroni, the rival to the Falcone family, says to a corrupt government official on his payroll, have the veal. It's the best in the city. So basically oh. the same exact moment. Um Oh, man. In The Godfather, <laughs> uh, they use these images that I'm pulling up here in the YouTube version of a dead mobster by a fence. This is actually the photo of real-life mobster Frank Nitti's body after he committed suicide. They used this image in The Godfather during this whole montage about gang wars. And now it's sort of slipped into the long Halloween in issue six, where Gordon's looking over a fo- photo of murders. Supposedly holiday murders, but we hadn't seen this image before. So it's, it's, again, purely just because it was part of The Godfather. Both Godfather and The Long Halloween have characters practicing handguns inside of a tool workshop. Uh, but our research assistant, Dan, also brought up this image of Bonacera being seen through an elevator with the image of Bruce in a similar designed elevator door. This one might be a little loose, but considering all the other references, who knows? Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's definite, definite lift. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in Godfather, Vito has the famous line, look how they massacred my boy after his son is shot. In The Long Halloween, Falcone's father says, look at what they've done to my boy when young Falcone is shot. 
Uh, Luigi Moroni says, you can act like a man, which is exactly what Vito says to Johnny Fontaine in The Godfather. Uh, both comic and the uh, Godfather movie have a father-son duo talking about business in a garden. And it is in that same garden where the older mobster, the father, ends up dying. In issue 11, Carmine... This one is almost ridiculous. (laughs) When it's direct lines, I'm just like, come on, really? Um, Carmine (laughs) says, you're my sister and I love you, but never ask me to explain. Which is an echo of Michael's famous line, you're my brother and I love you, but never take sides against the family again. He didn't even um, have a mouth in that picture. How's he? <laughs> his mustache said it. <laughs> Falcone's power is he talks through his mustache. <laughs> Superpower, dude. And finally, Two Face gets his revenge, saying, "You have to answer for Harvey Dent," which is a paraphrase of Michael's line, "You have to answer for Santino when he wants revenge." At the end of The Godfather, mind you, this is all just the long Halloween. I did not go into the references of The Godfather and Dark Victory. But there's plenty more here, right down to a replication of the uh, Alberto Falcone wakes up with blood in his sheets because there's a body in there. So that type of stuff. I'll be damned. So this begs the question, is there too much Godfather in the long Halloween? What do you guys think? John. Who's going first? Okay, 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 okay. Good job. Single me out, single me out. Okay. (laughs) This is a really complex question because... There are so many issues to discuss when it comes to doing uh, homages or stealing or ripping off or any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a super complicated question when it comes to movies that do this. Um, like when Tarantino comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people I've noticed, one of the, I mean, a lot of people hate Tarantino for a number of reasons. Well, one reason some people will bring up that they hate Tarantino is that they just hate how he takes stuff from these movies, usually obscure movies, and like makes them his own to the point that he almost takes credit for it. Like people will think of the movie itself mm-hmm. uh, rather than we'll think about his movie rather than the thing he was doing. Even though I firmly believe he was taking those with love and basically with the enthusiasm of someone saying, "Hey, hey, hey! If you like this, go see this original movie that I saw on a crappy like VHS way back in the day. It's awesome." Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a complicated question just on that alone. And then in in Batman and superheroes, Batman and like so many of the goal of the superheroes that came up from the Golden Age, are also built up from being derivative from various other things like usually the pulps and movies. So there's another complex question to be had there. So you're combining two of these complex questions and then throwing them into this, um, with a movie that primarily with Godfather alone, it's so well known, mm-hmm. and so iconic that. I can truly see a lot of people um, not caring that they're lifting all these familiar scenes um, to reflect with the Godfather or recreate the Godfather, like like Godfather fan fiction with Batman almost. Mm-hmm. Which is <laughs> Just, kind of cool. Yeah, you know? I can. I can. Mm-hmm. They, the, these are not obscure references for mm-hmm. most people. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'll, there are a bunch of here that I didn't even remember. So he really goes. He he really went all in on the references. But by and large, I don't think most people who read this would not have gotten the Godfather thing. Although, this book has continued its um, reputation as being really popular, and I don't know how much the Godfather has necessarily carried over with the next generations of movie viewers. I was a teenage movie nerd who wanted to find everything that made got referenced and things, so I would seek those out. Mm. But 
I truly don't know how many people would be getting into Batman, would get the Long Halloween recommendation, and would necessarily get the Godfather stuff. But they might, because of all the secondhand references it still has. They might not. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, I certainly didn't. (laughs) See? There we go. There we go, dude. Yeah. (laughs) There we go. Um, So, I truly am... I mean, I've always been intimidated with trying to tackle the question. Personally, I find it to be, I personally found it to be lazy and mm. cheap. I thought it was a cheap, cynical, for me, a cheap, cynical shorthand to try to, to cash in on the nostalgia and the prestige of Godfather to infuse some, a sense of importance and artistry and magnitude mm. in Batman. It was kind of the dramatic equivalent of those terrible, uh, parody movies, the scary movie, not the scary, not scary, not scary movie, but the disaster movie, where it's like, yeah. hey, let's point out this this thing there. Remember that thing? You left that thing. Why aren't you laughing now? <laughs> <laughs> it kind of felt that way uh, to yeah. me. And still but does with prestige. Yeah, but then it gets more complicated with presumed innocent, and to a lesser extent, uh, Long Good Friday, but really a presumed innocent thing, which. They they built the backbone of the entire twist of this story. Loeb did, I mean, on mm-hmm. this movie that, and a novel too, the novel Presumed Innocent by Scott Turow, that were bestsellers, big hits in their day, but which have had zero cultural footprint. Unlike The Godfather, mm-hmm. they were they were hugely popular and then vanished, like so many things do. Mm-hmm. Um. And the fact that people don't know that and Loeb gets credit for that or that the people don't, don't see what he's doing there, it doesn't feel as fair as him using Godfather, which I already don't particularly care for. But at least there's a sense of audience involvement with knowing I see what he's doing here and mm-hmm. I'm, in, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in on the joke. I'm in on the reference. Mm-hmm. But doing that with Presumed Innocent, it feels lopsided and to mm-hmm. bothers me yeah. more. Um, especially considering that, as you've started talking about, the mystery of Gilda and the revelation of Gilda has lots of flaws to mm-hmm. dig in. A lot of prop ambiguity that may or may not be purposeful, uh, that a lot of people may like because of it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like seeing it on its own without keeping in mind the presumed innocent connection is... Um, I feel like I feel like people should should who really want to, to think about this should see mm-hmm. the movie and keep that in mind and, and compare it as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's a very it's a very complex question for me because it's very subjective. Which is of course, yeah. It's so subjective. I cannot give a definite snobby, this is bad and this is why. <laughs> I can just say my problems with it, why it doesn't work for me, and you can decide from there. So that, that's basically all I got. <clears throat> well, let's see what everyone else thinks. Let's uh, go with Zach. Because, Zach, you said that you didn't catch a lot of the Godfather references until we brought them up. No, really none at all. I guess uh, I've only seen the first Godfather movie. I haven't seen any of the sequels, and I've only seen it mm-hmm. once. And uh, I don't know. I know it's a very important film for uh, you know history, but it's just nothing that left a lasting impact on me other than a couple references. So Those I really screaming in the comments. Now. <laughs> they can, they can scream all they want because you probably hate Citizen I, Kane too. <laughs> oh no. I do remember Citizen Kane from my film class as well. I don't know. I just, uh, 
I never picked up on a lot of that stuff, and it is it's amazing now for us to go through uh, the slideshow and to see those visuals compared side by side, and it's yeah. uh, it has opened my eyes to how incredibly derivative this is. And I'll be honest, like the actual mob parts of the Long Halloween, they're not really my favorite. Uh, you know, the first time I read this, and I'll admit, like, I am a fan of the book, and I I was a fan of um, Tim Sale's artwork for a very long time. I I was just really into the bad guys. I like the idea of the the rise of the the freaks and weirdos in Gotham City and the downfall of the organized crime rings, and uh, mm -hmm. that's what really you know kind of drew me in i was always super excited to see like joker pulling some shit in the book and killing these like mobsters and while they're eating you know italian food and i just thought yeah. that was kind of cool that mm -hmm. was what drew me in i really didn't care that much about like a lot of the uh the stuff going on with with falcone but yeah i will agree now that it is extremely derivative and i guess maybe they are kind of banking on people like me that at that at the time that this came out probably mm -hmm. like adolescent boys they probably were like well maybe they haven't seen the godfather so we can get away with this it doesn't seem to be done with love as much uh like you were talking about john with tarantino mm -hmm. and I, I know a lot of people argued about joker being derivative um uh todd phillips you know like drawing inspiration from the the two scorsese films but i don't know this one i guess now that i'm seeing it side by side it's either very derivative or maybe Tim Sale has a soft spot for the Godfather, but I don't know. It just, uh, especially that one of, uh, of, um, Don Corleone, like sniffing that, uh, rose, <laughs> rose on his yeah. shirt. I'm like, wow, that is a direct <laughs> lift. Is it supposed to be a, you know, uh, an homage to it? So I don't mm -hmm. know. It's just, uh, and yeah, yeah it's the most very famous derivative of Falcone in the comics. Yeah. The most famous very... image of Falcone in the comics is Vito Corleone. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's very derivative. <laughs> so, Zach, you, you basically, if I um, would you say it's fair that uh, the Godfather, all the Godfather stuff, the mob stuff, at least just it provides a skeleton, a structure for the the other elements like the rogues to flesh it out and go wild around. So it's a structure. It's it's a structure that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, right. that's it. That's that's it. I was just in it for the bad guys. I mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess other people read it and were like into the whole like all the mob stuff and the the mysterious killings and everything. And I like that too. But I just I really mm -hmm. like the the rise of the freaks. I thought that yeah. was such a cool idea because to me that's that's what I am interested in as far as Batman goes. Mm -hmm. Of course, yeah. Totally. The, okay. People aren't exactly going out to buy comics because they're like, oh, Falcone's in it. I have to. Oh see yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let's go uh, Andrew how much Godfather is too much Godfather when it comes to the long Halloween what did you think of this I now believe it was Picasso himself who said creativity is hiding your sources <laughs> and I don't think Ooh. they did them well enough <laughs> definitely not <laughs> in this you know emphasis so, on hiding yeah so I mean yeah it's tough like like you know, Zach, you're an artist, and like, it's like, go draw something completely original right now, please. You know what I mean? Yeah. Go give that mandate to anybody or to. It a, takes a lot a, of research ahead of time to so you are not ripping off somebody else. Yeah, to, mm -hmm. an, to an author or 
like a screenwriter like Ben, like, yeah, go mm-hmm. go make something completely original right now. And I'm talking no influence whatsoever. Do it, please. Thank you. You know, like, it's kind yeah. of impossible, right? You're going to have your influences. But, yeah, like Picasso, you have to kind of hide it enough. Mm-hmm. And it, the God, it's just like the Godfather is just – it's tough because the guys – these guys – Pro- probably love the fuck out of Godfather. You know, there's probably, yeah. there probably is real love there. Um, so I can see that. And they were like, what if, what if Batman was like in the Godfather, bro? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. that's really what this was pitched as. <laughs> and what if like Hannibal Lecter was in there? That'd be fucking sweet, bro. <laughs> fucking best comic ever. How it came about. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I can't fault him too much. I haven't mm-hmm. written anything like this, you know, but it's like, yeah, it's a it's probably a bit too much. Like, p- try to hide it just a little better, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, I think there are certain things that are a little bit unavoidable if you're dealing with mob stuff because the Godfather is so seeped into pop culture that there's like stuff about the mob you don't even realize comes from that. Like mm-hmm. certain lines, like you know, keep your friends close but your enemies closer. That's like become such a cliche. You, people have forgotten that that comes from yeah. Mario Puzo. That comes you from know? fucking Godfather? It does. Exactly. Exactly. See, that I have fucking no idea. My dad always <laughs> said that, and I thought that was just something handed down through the generations, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's from fucking Godfather. It's stuff like that. that gets. It, that's how it's so seeped into pop culture, we forget like the actual source. In real life, the real source of that was Mario Puzo's mom. What? Really? <laughs> That's what I found. Yeah, Mario Puzo's mom said that, and then that made it into Godfather Part 2. And wow. then it just seeped into pop culture from there. Just some badass but, shit Italian Americans say to each other. Yeah, exactly. Most of the, apparently, a lot of the iconic lines from Godfather came from Puzo's mom. Wow. So, uh, a little bit of a Godfather trivia. Making a cannolo, not a cannoli. <laughs> cannolo. Uh, I think. <laughs> So there's certain things that are a little bit unavoidable, you know, them talking about business as a euphemism. I'm just like, that's so seeped in and it makes so much sense. It's kind of hard to avoid that stuff about yeah, Alberto yeah. being the good son and how there's that makes it a little better when there's a twist that he's actually the killer. Uh, Falcone and Moroni being rivals, that type of stuff. I'm like, you can't really avoid that. But then it's also like, did you have to start with the same exact wedding? Did you have to have the same lines? It, it almost feels like Falcone and Moroni are like huge Godfather fanboys. They grew up on these movies and are like trying to live it out themselves. Right. They com- forget the part where it all ends in tragedy and death. But yeah. it's like, that's me. It just, that's it's us. So cool. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Grow up my mustache just like uh, Marlon Brando. Here's Actually, a rose, bro. Ben, you <laughs> remind me. Take this. You reminded me of something. Uh, mm-hmm. In in another one of those Bevan role playing books from the eighties, the role mm-hmm. playing games, there was yeah. a mobster who was described as his name was Falcone. I don't know if he. I don't. This was before year one, so he wasn't. I don't think. I think it was just a coincidence. I don't think Miller was lifting. He might have been from the role playing mm-hmm. game, but if I recall correctly, I'm pretty sure he was explicitly described as being a wannabe Vito Corleone who loved the movie and wanted <laughs> to recreate it. That's awesome. I'm pretty sure he was in one of the, that, that was in one of the mm. modules of the role-playing <laughs> game. So you're, it, it, it what you just said, it, it tracks with role-playing game canon as much as that's worth anything. At this, Jeff was going to come on there and be like, you see, that's, that's what I was going for the whole time. <laughs> John, <laughs> that's all from that role-playing game. If you guys just played that game, you would know this. John, this game played pretty much just like Dungeons and Dragons, just with Batman characters. I think so. It was uh, they had a whole DC Universe uh, role playing game with a, with 
um, a base set and a lots of individual modules for different characters and different cities and worlds. And I love the one that's I, I never played them because I had no friends. Um, oh, but no. <laughs> sorry, I asked, man. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I I actually liked I like I'm I'm a nerd who likes reading all like who's who's and profiles and ma- mm-hmm. I look I like looking at fictional maps. So they were really interesting, and they had all these character bios in these um, that had all this information that was a great a great source, even if I wasn't going to actually use the play things. Um, so yeah, there was they were from the eighties, and they did a couple times, and then the they stopped doing them by the 90s more or less mm-hmm. all right cool jeez that's awesome yeah yeah but i did not know about that one so i'll have to look into that but uh yeah i mean <sighs> the animated movie seems to make a lot of efforts to take out these godfather references with the exception mm-hmm. of falcon just flat out call- <laughs> wanting people to call him godfather i'm like yeah. <laughs> okay that's a <laughs> <laughs> that's basically two steps back after you took that step forward. Yeah, yeah, but, right. Um, but you guys, I know Andrew saw this movie recently. I know John, you've been gradually making your way through it. Um, but you can see that most of the stuff that we brought up from the comic, it was cut from the movie. They make a deliberate effort, yeah, in doing that, and it just goes to show you don't really lose anything once you take that stuff out. Do we right, really need right. Carla mm-hmm. Vitti saying the same exact line? Do we really need these direct lifts and that type of stuff? Uh, on that so i get that it's kind of a fun thing but like at least do like the sopranos thing where they are just like as it says in the godfather like have the actual characters reference the movie and the type of stuff <laughs> yeah. you're going to do those lines so uh that's my stance on it it was just like there are certain elements where i'm like okay that's fine but the other ones where i'm just like is starting to feel like too much of a parody um so last thing to note before the break is we actually did get a couple godfather actors as part of the batman franchise uh, Abe Vigoda, who played mm-hmm. Sal Tessio, was the voice of Sal Valestra in Mask of the Phantasm. And Falcone himself got to be played by one of the actors from The Godfather, Alex Rocco, who was Mo Green, the guy who gets shot in the eye in, mm-hmm. towards the end. So he was the voice of Falcone in the Batman Year One animated movie. So this kind of sort of ends up being the snake that eats itself in a way. We got Godfather influencing Falcone and then Falcone being played by somebody who is from these movies. So that's kind of fun, but that's my favorite part from uh, *Mask of the Phantasm*. Sal Valester, uh, whenever Joker brings him into the uh, what is it, the world of tomorrow or yeah, House of the Future, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Robot wife. Yeah. <laughs> Too. Oh yeah. Uh, Meatloaf <laughs> again. So <laughs> that's how much the long Halloween takes from movies. How much does it take from other comics? Find out soon after the break. Here at Chat of the Wild, our game club podcast, we have been using our lens of truth to do deep dives on the Legend of Zelda series, in order, covering one to two dungeons each episode. Our show also looks at Zelda-likes, such as Crusader of Senti, Golden Axe Warrior, and the bizarre journey of For the Frog the Bell Tolls. Join us right now as we play Ari and the Secret of Seasons, our first new release since Season 1, or check out our past seasons breaking down nearly 20 action-adventure titles. New episodes drop every Wednesday, here on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Lord have mercy, y'all. Do you like hounds? Do you enjoy pooches? Do you find yourself enjoying time spent with that of canines? Talking about dogs, y'all. As you might have heard, 
Superhero Stuff You Should Know has now teamed up with BarkBox. For every month, you get a box for your special canine. Pooches. Or hounds. That's right. One free extra month if you go to BarkBox.com slash Superhero Stuff Pod. Follow the link and you'll get a free extra month valued at $35 and valid for all multi-length plans. So get the BarkBox for your hound, for your pooch, for your canine. Your doggo will thank you. And we're back, and we're going to dive into the comics that predated the long Halloween in terms of influences. We have kind of a major one, and then kind of a not-so-major one, uh, unfortunately, an underrated one. But first we'll go into the major one, which is, of course, The Dark Knight Returns. Now, one of the most famous lines in The Long Halloween is, I believe in Harvey Dent, which made its way into The Dark Knight as Harvey Dent's campaign slogan. However, this line may have actually originated in The Dark Knight Returns, where Bruce says, quote, we must believe in Harvey Dent when it comes to Harvey's rehabilitation earlier in the, mm. in the uh, comic. Uh, on mm. top of that, The Long Halloween sometimes gets credit for the idea that Batman's presence attracts the rogues gallery criminals to dress up and be as theatrical as him. However, this does technically originate from The Dark Knight Returns as well, with Dr. Wolper talking about this on TV. Though you could say The Long Halloween dramatizes this to be, uh, you know, in real time, as opposed to uh, Wolper talking about an already established Batman. Mm -hmm. So that could be it. But uh, let's go into something that it gets a lot of credit for, which is its origin of Two-Face. So Long Halloween gets credit from David Goyer in the opening of Absolute Long Halloween, saying, quote, that scene on the rooftop between Gordon, Dent, and Batman in Long Halloween, in which you realize Batman can obviously bring criminals to justice, but he needs the police to arrest them and the DA's office to prosecute them. That was something new that Jeff Loeb introduced into the lore. Not quite, actually. The thing is, Goyer's wrong <laughs> John <here>. is physically, <laughs> ups- visually upset. <laughs> I know. I, I, I took this screen cap from his, <laughs> from his blog <laughs> because I wanted to use it. Because this is a common misconception. This is not just David Goyer. I can't even completely blame David Goyer because this comic was extremely popular around the time already before uh, The Dark Knight even came out. You know, so many fans are just like, hey, they just got to adapt Long Halloween, adapt Long Halloween. At least he's not talking about She-Hulk right here. (laughs) (laughs) Then we're good. (laughs) Yeah, so (laughs) thankfully he's not. Thankfully he's just talking about this. Um, but not only did the scene on the rooftop not originate from Jeff Loeb in The Long Halloween, but neither did the partnership of Batman and Harvey Dent and Gordon working together that didn't originate from Long Halloween. The biggest comic I think most Halloween, Long Halloween fans have not read but should is Batman Annual number 14. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this was yes. mentioned by John in our last episode with him. It is a storyline called The Eye of the Beholder, written by Andrew Helfer, pencils by Chris Sprouse, inks by Steve Mitchell, Letters by John Costanzen, colors by Adrian Roy, with this cover by Neil Adams, which is a pretty awesome cover. That's the one I've got signed in here right now. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. awesome. So this is from 1990. The Long Halloween is published in 96. So just to repeat, this comic, 90, Long Halloween, 96. This predates it about six years. So what are the similarities then? Uh, Other than the fact that one, you know, they both tell the origin of Two-Face. Let's start with how both feature a serial killer with a gimmick whose crimes lead Harvey further and further into his descent. 
Both the comic and the long Halloween feature full page of silent panels of the killer at work, as we see here. In Eye of the Beholder, however, it's not a holiday killer, but a serial killer targeting senior citizens. Um, but an even bigger similarity is that in this comic, it's shown that Batman, Gordon, and Harvey meet on a rooftop. Uh, in both scenes, Harvey and Gordon are talking about their marriages and their families before Batman arrives. This oh, is a specific shit. beat lift Gasp. into the long Halloween. Gasp. When Batman arrives, the trio make a partnership to take down uh, basically crime and the mob. Again, directly lifted into the long Halloween, but many people credit the long Halloween for this image. It did not originate from long Halloween. It came from Batman annual number 14, as well as the newspaper strip we went over last time. <gasps> yes. Oh, uh, from yeah, by, uh, Bill Mezzer-Lobes. And you're right. You, it, I, and I, I'm, I, you were absolutely right. This was the first one. It just narrowly beat out um, Eye of the Beholder. Oh, okay. No, so yeah, full credit so to you for pointing that out. It was, it was at least technically the predecessor, but yes. Uh, I, okay. So Bill Mezzer-Lobes is the first writer to have this rooftop. Probably, sequence. I think he was. Although this, at least, I the Beholder got reprinted once in '95 in a collection to tie in with uh, Batman Forever. That's how I read it. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, me too. Totally, I got. I love mm-hmm. that book. Yep. Um. So that that it is as forgotten as I the Beholder is. It's not the most forgotten and not necessarily the first <laughs> to do yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. So the newspaper strip by Bill Mesner, Loeb's Carmine Infantino, and John Nyberg also has the trio meeting at the GCPD rooftop for the first time, as John found out when checking it out. But both this and Eye of the Beholder came out in the same year in 1990. So if you want to learn more about that newspaper strip, if you're new to the show, check out that episode if you haven't already called the original Batman 89 sequel comic. Uh, In the newspaper strip scene, Batman disappears at the end of the meeting, just like with, I mean, most sequences where he's talking to gordon but (laughs) here it's with two other people and so dent makes a comment in the newspaper strip that he hates when he does that in eye of the beholder in a different scene batman disappears and a character says he's gone and gordon says he does that a sort of shorter version of that this exchange in the long halloween is dent saying gone and gordon saying he does that the exact same line, which then gets carried over into the Dark Knight, as said by Gary Oldman, probably because it's in the Long Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, the Eye of the Beholder was the one to introduce the idea that the two-headed coin came from Harvey's father, who used it to abuse him with a sick and twisted game where he would flip the coin, and if it, if Harvey was correct or if it was tails, then he would be spared. But since it was a two-headed coin, Harvey never got the chance. Pretty fucked up. Long Halloween not only references this, but has a very similar scene of Harvey saying, I visited my father, I got the coin from him, and Gilda being like, oh my god, that's terrible. Uh, So it's pretty much the same beat. Uh, Eye of the Beholder also predates Long Halloween in the dense having trouble conceiving a child, and that being a big thing between Harvey and Gilda. Also predates it in having Harvey Dent making blatant verbal remarks about breaking the law just to take down criminals. Also predates with the idea that Harvey commits murder before he gets the acid in the face. It's Two-Face. It becomes pretty apparent once we get to this next part that Jeff Loeb has read this comic because he flat out uses the same character, Fields. So, hmm. Fields is not in the animated movie, but fans might remember in The Long Halloween there's a character named Vernon Fields, who is Harvey's assistant and is secretly working for Boss Maroney. Yep. He's blonde, wears glasses, a bow tie, and overalls. <laughs> But Vernon is basically the same character as the Eye of the Beholder character, Adrian Fields, Harvey's assistant who's also secretly working for Boss Maroney and is blonde, wears glasses, a bow tie, and overalls. Why his name is changed from Adrian to Vernon, 
I don't know. It just seems a lot more on the nose. Obviously corrupt. For Hiding his sources. <laughs> See? <laughs> Name change. Are... <laughs> They'll never get me now. <laughs> I can't remember. Um, ben, are they both? I know that the one in the long Halloween is responsible for the acid. Mm-hmm. Uh, smuggling it to Maroni. Is that the way it is in Eye of the Beholder? It's not explicitly seen in Eye of the Beholder, but I think it's implied. Okay. Yeah, Maroni says um, that, you know, I want to give me a gun. I want to shoot him in the courtroom. And he's like, you can't get a... And Field says, you can't get a gun in the courtroom, the metal detectors. He's like, oh, right. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Well, give me something else then. Something that'll yeah. leave an impression. So yeah, yeah it's Ooh. implied that Fields was the one who did that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, so Fields is a major character in the comic, not in the animated movie, uh, which is interesting. But uh, again, it just seems like the movie's trying to hide Loeb's sources more so than Loeb was. Um, And then The Long Halloween also changed Boss Maroney's name um, as well. So in the original comic, um, oh yeah, here's the the comic as well, of uh, Fields working with Maroney, and they both have scenes meeting with Maroney in a restaurant as this is all happening. Uh, anyways, in the Eye of the Beholder, Maroni's first name is named Vincent, Vincent Maroni. However, the Long Halloween changed it to Salvatore Maroni, and that's ever since he's been Sal Maroni yeah. in The Dark Knight and Gotham and stuff. But originally it was Vincent Maroni, and Loeb knows that because in issue 11, Harvey Dent says his full name is Salvatore Vincent Maroni. So clearly he's read this comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Long Halloween also has this part. <laughs> With Batman having a disguise in the courtroom that looks very similar, <laughs> I like I like it better in Batman Forever when he's just uh, in the sitting in the big rubber costume, like in the in the pews, just ready to jump up, Golden Age style. Yeah, exactly. That's Golden Age style. What did they call uh, Maroni in Batman Forever? Was it just Boss Maroni? He's just it's Boss Maroni. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think yeah. I have the holder was the first time he ever got a first name too. Yeah, I think I so. Mean, yeah, he was just Boss Maroni, and sometimes it was originally spelled M O R O N I, and yeah. then Moroni. some change, and it would go, <laughs> yes, it go good. Moroni, like <laughs> yeah, like uh, and then it would go back and forth with Maroni, Moroni, and now because of the Long Halloween, he is now definitively Salvatore Maroni. Yeah, hmm. so that's the uh, our little. Deep dive into Boss Maroney. He's been uh, around almost this... 80 years. He deserves some credit, apparently, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it's also weird to me, side tangent, but it's weird to me that the live action adaptations of Boss Maroney have not really had him play a direct role at all in yeah. Harvey Dent's uh, origin outside of Batman Forever. It's Batman like they're Forever's subverting the expectations. Yeah. They've subverted it so much, though, that it's just like. Yeah. By the time you get to the. If somebody does the actual courtroom trials um the classic origin you're just like oh like i think most people would wonder why they chose that as opposed yeah. to a warehouse explosion yeah or probably yeah. chemical plant. right you know right. there's so many different ways that they've turned him into two-face mm-hmm. that like the courtroom origin is it's they're like subverting expectations that haven't really been set anymore yeah no yeah, one remembers like, the, the the classic one even the comics got rid of the, the courtroom thing and changed its with the new 52 so it's it's such oh, a yeah, that's true it, it the most innovative thing they could do is adapt it faithfully <laughs> <to this Yeah. point>. <laughs> <laughs> again it's 
an underrated aspect of Batman Forever, it does bring to life the Golden Age origin for like, you know, three seconds. But still, it, it does do that. Tommy <laughs> Jones holding up that uh, manila folder. <laughs> that file. Yeah. Yep, that <laughs> gets him right on that line there. <laughs> exactly. Everyone, look, everyone's saying Brick released a Schumacher cut. Uh, cut. I want mm-hmm. the cut of the actual news footage and pristine yeah. HD of the of the Moroni <laughs> trial. Give me that raw footage. The people, by which I mean me, demand it. Give me Dennis Palladino as Boss Moroni. Anyway, back to what we have here. As we were laughing about earlier, we have the same exact disguise of Batman in the courtroom from Eye of the Beholder. He's in a beanie. He's in glasses. He's got a fake beard and mustache. Uh, He's got uh, a jacket with the collars pulled up. Looks like a laid-off lumberjack. He's a laid-off lumberjack as his disguise. This is pre-Matches Malone. He's like, I'll be laid-off lumberjack in the courtroom. Nobody will know it's me. No one will know. <laughs> I'm a master of disguise. Uh, in both versions, Maroney uses the excuse that he has uh, he needs medicine for his ulcers in order to sneak in the acid before he throws it into Harvey's face. And then after attacking Dent, Maroney is shot. He's shown getting shot in Eye of the Beholder, but he's not actually shown getting shot in the long Halloween until like two issues later or one or two issues later where he says he got shot, but they never actually showed that. Um, I wonder if Loeb just forgot he never actually had that in the original issue or was just going off of the beholder. But it seemed weird to me that in the comic, we literally go from Moroni being grabbed and just yelling, which doesn't really give cause to shoot him uh, to then later on saying that he got shot three times in the courtroom. So I'm like, uh, I don't know. By the way, I have the beholder. He gets shot three times. But he no. survived because he's so badass and then immediately dies like the next battle <laughs> yeah. in the story. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes be... me... Why did you bother? <laughs> he needs to survive so that Calendar Man can actually do something. That's why <laughs> say that Moroni has a role and then oh, gets shot man. by Alberto. So you think Alberto's holiday when he's not really holiday oh, or maybe he is. calendar man (laughs) (laughs) both comics feature close-ups of harvey covering his face from the acid and his damaged eye peering out which was way too hardcore to show in 19 in the 1940s when he first got the acid to his face um in both comics harvey goes to the hospital but escapes which is not something that happened in the original origin in the original i think he just went home he just he didn't end up escaping um on that he decided to be two-faced later after he returned home yeah it was have a nice yeah. life, Harvey. <laughs> your face is fucked, but we'll send uh, you your bill. <laughs> Looks like your insurance does not cover it. Oh, Welcome to America. <laughs> and he went Two to faces crime. born because yeah. of that. Uh, this, not is because back the in the, this is back in the 40s. He probably just had to pay him a quarter and he'd be oh, fine. He'd be covered with medical bills. It looks like I do not have a quarter, though. <laughs> I have a silver dollar, but you're gonna have to wash the dishes before you leave to pay off your debt. <laughs> and then in both in both comics, Two Face then goes off and finds Fields for and in revenge for betraying him, ends up shooting him, and then ends up turning himself in at the end. So pretty close. With all this evidence, I think it's fair to say the Long Halloween retells Eye of the Beholder. And yet, Eye of the Beholder is never credited as being the original. Uh, you know, everyone thinks The Long Halloween is a retelling of the original Two-Face origin when it comes to that stuff, but nobody really acknowledges that part. It's not seen as revamping Two-Face's origin the same way that Frank Miller revamped Batman's first year in Batman Year One. Mm-hmm. 
it's not even acknowledged in a special thanks section anywhere as yeah. being the basis for Loeb and Seal to continue off of. Which, you know, it's like, sure, DC owns it, so you don't necessarily have to thank the original writers, but it'd be nice, especially if you have some of the same exact images <laughs> that yeah. come from that specific comic, like the Batman disguise or Fields. Um, here's another thing, though. I wonder if the Nolans actually read Eye of the Beholder, because it has a very similar scene of Gordon leaving his wife and infant baby in a high chair in order to talk to Batman outside of his house. So, hmm, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's hmm. a coincidence. Um, but, yeah, it does seem to draw off a lot of this comic. What do you guys think, starting with... I'll start with John. I know that we're in for a whole earful on this, but... <laughs> I'll, I'll try to keep it shorter and less rambling than my last one. <laughs> Eye <laughs> of the Beholder, ever since I read it in that collection, that that uh, Batman Forever tie-in collection they did with the Two-Facing mm-hmm. Riddler stories, mm-hmm. I fell yeah. in love with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I It felt like... My experience with the character, I was always interested in the character, and I loved the animated series. I loved psychological take in the animated series. And this felt like that, but mm-hmm. so much more weighty with the um, the father's... with the abusive father... And not just the abusive father, but the alcoholism, the psychological game of uh, that he played with the coin, the the psychological manipulation that he that he underwent in addition to the physical abuse made it a really powerful um, origin. Um, wait, I'm hold on a second. I'm I'm just going on ranting about how much I love this story. Was this what was the specific question again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fact that Long Halloween pretty much takes the entire Harvey Dent origin so and condenses it into this. Ah, now I can pretend like I was going, getting a point somewhere. Um, <laughs> when I read, I, so I was, how the hell old was I? I was about 12 when I read that story and long Halloween came out, um, like right short next year. I was so jazzed by long Halloween reading it, uh, because it was like, I was interested in two face. I liked their mm-hmm. Halloween specials. And when I started seeing them bringing in the Eye of the Beholder stuff, I got really excited. Because at that point, I sort of figured if this book I collected, Eye of the Beholder was collected as a notable Two-Face story, then more people would have known about it. Mm-hmm. So I was sort of thought, oh, I see what he's doing. He's bringing in the, all these elements. And as the more it went on, the more he never really panned them out anywhere. Loeb, I mean. Loeb never mm-hmm. really panned out the references uh, from Eye of the Beholder like he brought in the father briefly mentioned the father and gave the implication that the father was bad news in some way. Right. But doesn't go into the specifics of what he used the coin for. There's mm-hmm. never even dramatized a confrontation with the father in the long Halloween. And that's a real loss because Harvey Dent in the long Halloween. <sighs> Look, everyone, this is the most, it is the most popular comic version, maybe the most popular take on the two face origin, but I honestly have never felt like it's ever addressed his mental illness and never addressed no. just why he was, why he went crazy, why he snapped. Why the hell is he speaking in a second voice all of a sudden and saying we long Halloween never addresses that. He just suddenly is because that's what two face does. Yeah. It's expected. Um, they have to, it, to have a lot of calendar man scenes. So they just, yeah, no, you need, <laughs> you know, yeah, no, you needed that. You needed that. Yeah. Um, I I don't dislike the Long Halloween's take on Harvey. Uh, I'm actually glad that it's been a major source of exposure for people to see the character as District Attorney Harvey Dent, not just mm-hmm. a supervillain. 
I think that's cool. I think that's key to why he's an interesting character, that he had a whole other life. But by removing the personal, emotional, and psychological aspects of what he was actually going through beyond just, I gotta take down the mob for reasons. I have a problem with crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and the acid in the face, it really felt like a. I was frustrated how reductive it was to take these things from this rich um, story that, uh, that I came to realize, few people remembered, I Have the Beholder, and not mm-hmm. actually take them anywhere other than the cosmetic references. The and that 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 has increasingly bothered me. Again, in the years have gone by, and we've haven't even seen um, I the Beholder reprinted. Only only saw it reprinted one other time in a very expensive collection of Two Face stories for a seventy fifth anniversary that no one's gonna buy mm-hmm. because it's. A really friggin' expensive. Well, yes, of course you would. I did. I bought I did, it too. Yeah. <laughs> it like me. Me, 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 me. I, 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 I bought it too. But still, it's not even available yes. digitally on Comixology. It's that issue. Other issues of Batman Annual have been reprint have been digitally, you know, preserved in an easily accessible way online. But that never has. Even though the digital version of the story is available in the collection. The actual, you can't buy the individual issue. Mm-hmm. The only way to get the individual issue is to, you know, go through back issues or do sketchy things. <laughs> <laughs> is it on DC Universe? Uh, nope. N- oh, no. Wow. I Sweet. checked. Wow. So that's, that has, because, and that's just, that's just how, to me, that just says how obscure it is. If it's not even mm-hmm. worth reprinting. I only time I ever see it get mentioned is in stuff like, uh, like, top 10 two-faced stories which he doesn't very he doesn't often get lists dedicated to him like that but when he does it's usually on there right neck and neck with long halloween Mm -hmm. but no one but i i really i god i i really i i could sing the praises of this comic i the beholder for so long it is to me it is just one of my very very favorite stories with a really rich and interesting um early take on building off of frank miller's year one Mm-hmm. And it also, I, I think it might have also have been, you know, the next step after they did the killing joke, which was to have a villain centric deconstruction of like the Joker. Mm-hmm. And they did them with some of the other mm-hmm. villains as the movies came out. They did like Penguin Triumphant, which was, oh, um, yeah. mm-hmm. with, which was another great story that has also been largely forgotten and mm-hmm. so on and so on. And I feel like that Two-Face one, Eye the Beholder, was probably meant to be we've established who the joker is now in this post-crisis era after frank miller now let's mm-hmm. figure out who two-face really is and nail it and this will stick and in a way it did but in a way every everything else was it was jeff Loeb went i'll take this i'll take this i'll take this i'll take this mine now mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and he ended up being the one to um define the character um for audiences yeah. Um, for generations or at least get the credit for that at least get the credit at least get the mm-hmm. credit um so yeah i i I've, that's, a, that's another reason i've had a hard time trying to take long halloween on its own merits mm-hmm. even aside from all the things it's already pulling from and some of the other i feel like the, the dialogue is kind of hacky to be honest uh jeff loves dialogue but even i i could probably I mean, when it's direct too- list from the godfather i'm like 
Yeah. <laughs> and characters never finish a sentence. They they always start saying someone's name with a ellipses, and then mm-hmm. that's ellipses are all over the place. But I, I would enjoy <laughs> probably probably better if it weren't for how it mismanages and erases Eye of the Beholder at the same time. Mm. So gotcha. Yeah. <clears throat> now, Zach, you've read Eye of the Beholder as well. Oh yeah, I have it in. Okay. I guess all of its, all of its printings. So I've got the original comic. I have the Batman Forever tie-in uh, with Two Face and Riddler, and I do have the mm-hmm. expensive seventy-fifth anniversary Two Face thing. I just couldn't resist that. So um, <laughs> yeah, I, it's it is the uh, I get the better story in general. It definitely is a a little bit, I guess, uh, more of an intimate story for Harvey and. I guess I just never realized how derivative all of this stuff is uh, from the long Halloween. And I'll still say I, I am a fan of it. And like John, I'm happy that it has, it has, you know, brought uh, future generations uh, this kind of connection to Two-Face and introducing them to the character and this, mm-hmm. this origin of Two-Face within the story where he is Harvey Dent first. I think that is really important. Yeah, it does feel kind of shady that there's just is not a lot of credit or love given to the story where those ideas appeared first. And yeah, I do think that it is a, a more powerful story because of the actual uh, connection to Harvey Dent's father and his confrontation with him at the end. And I feel like I like the ending of Eye of the Beholder better because Harvey is fixed momentarily. Mm-hmm. Like he, his face is fixed. But he makes this, like, decision. Well, Two-Face, like, basically, you see that, you know, he's not well still on the Mm -hmm. inside, and he turns himself back into Two-Face. I don't know how you can undo plastic surgery in a way (laughs) with just your hands that you look exactly the same again, like it was just silly putty sitting on top. But it's, I think that's more powerful that he has, we've gone past the point of, like, well, just get him plastic surgery and he'll be just fine. It kind of also, Mm, you know, addresses that issue that we've brought up on here before too. But yeah, I I really like that story. And um, yeah, I'm I'm glad that, you know, John has continued to uphold, you know, or or touting that as like the better story. And I remember reading about more about it on About Faces and it reminded me of it because honestly, I... um, I probably read the long Halloween first and then I found that Batman tie in book afterwards. And I was like, Oh man, this is a really cool story. And, uh, I don't know. I like the artwork a little bit better in it. I know that's sacrilege to say now, like that. I like it better than the Tim sales stuff, but, uh, I don't know. I just, uh, I like it better. And I think it's the better two face story overall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, now that you've sort of seen a lot of these comparisons with this comic, how do you feel? Obviously, yeah. There's not a lot of hidden sources. <laughs> yeah, on this one. I, I haven't read. Very, no, I haven't read Eye of the hidden. Beholder, so I can't say much about that. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, yeah, your case is strong, Ben, the, and and John's case. So it mm-hmm. seems like there's a lot being pulled from that comic. But I do kind of have to ask if you if we say Eye of the Beholder, a lot of a lot of it comes from this one. 
is are the holders drawing from something else? How 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 further back in the rabbit hole do we go? Right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Totally. You know? Totally. Absolutely fair question. <clears throat> yeah, because some of this is like it's the evolution of the story anyway. In some ways, yeah. Eye of the Beholder is an evolution of the original Two Face origin. Yeah. Uh-huh. As well, uh, and then you could say any sort of reboot. You know, if they do another reboot of Batman, that in itself is taking off from the previous reboot reboot before that and the reboot before that before we finally get to bob kane and bill finger and yeah before yeah. bob kane and bill finger we get the shadow <laughs> and before the shadow we get you know all sorts of scarlet pipper now like so we, i of the beholder definitely does it definitely definitively does a few new things mm-hmm. yeah 100 oh, yeah. percent. Mm-hmm. okay with, uh, with the two-face origin okay copy that so i guess you there is some credit to be given there for sure then mm-hmm. But it is a good question yeah. in terms of like how much of this is just mm-hmm. the pure evolution of comics, where it's yeah. just like, oh, you're just going to, like, how could you ignore the previous thing that came on? You should build off of that. You know, it's hard to do yeah. a Batman origin uh, story without building off of what came before yeah. in the yeah. past 80 years or so. So yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I think for me personally, it's less of the fact that it takes from it and more of the fact that a lot of the credit is given to Long Halloween as opposed to this one. If there was at least more promotion of this storyline so that fans could get both and then decide for themselves, then I probably wouldn't have as much of an issue or it wouldn't feel as much of an injustice. But when this is pretty much been locked up to obscurity to the point where I kind of wonder if it's deliberate, then I'm like, I it doesn't feel right when I hear Long Halloween get praised for something that it didn't start. It definitely promotes it. It definitely puts it into the mainstream Batman fandom. So I can I can give credit to that, but it, it's kind of a shame when you, especially when Batman fans are so much about like get Bill Finger the credit and mm-hmm. he's the right, real one who right. started all that type of stuff. It's kind of sad when that hasn't quite carried over into this stuff when just certain elements of Two-Face's story that we kind of take for granted as the modern Two-Face story yeah. with the abuse of father, the coin coming from his father, those sorts of elements those are still credited to the long Halloween. The rooftop scene in itself, you know, obviously, if the Nolans just happened, you know, if they read the long Halloween and didn't read Eye of the Beholder, of course they're going to credit long Halloween. But yeah. uh, it's less of a criticism of them and more of the culture that created was created before they even got to that. The availability. Like yeah, the availability of yeah. it. And part of me just wonders, is it deliberate on DC's part in terms of just saying, like, well, we know long Halloween sells... Uh, let's That's just forget it. about this other stuff that happened yeah. beforehand. Yeah. Well, Ben, it's like you were saying, you know, you were talking about the Frank Miller connections. Um, mm-hmm. Frank Miller, uh, I mean, Loeb, Loeb has, all of his Batman stories have go, have just gone for every single original detail that Frank Miller had and tried mm-hmm. to re- bring them in. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, pretty much every original character Frank Miller introduced makes an appearance in uh, Long Halloween or Dark Victory. Um, yeah. And elements like hush's entire thing was brought is tied to harvey dent with his bandaged face and mm-hmm. harvey maybe being hush and all that yeah. but those stand up because they I mean, as arguably stand up because frank miller is iconic still those mm-hmm. stories are constantly reprinted they're they, they they are on the shelves and the recommendations alongside long halloween so if i wish i have the beholder had that kind of prestige and i think part of the reason why it doesn't is because the writer was 
not he's never andrew helfer should have been a superstar i love his stuff he did a run he did a, he wrote a run on the shadow which was really weird and dark and controversial and interesting mm. and he edited uh legend of the dark knight he edited um justice league international really interesting guy with a, a with a, a career that's known by the people who are inside comics but not a star name and chris mm-hmm. sprouse went on to become a, a more famous artist with a refined uh clean style but back then he was just starting out and it's a it's it's such a rough it's i, I like his art too zach mm-hmm. he himself hates his art in that story mm. he does not like talking about it it's, it's brought up in some interviews and he just kind of shrugs it aside because compared to what his art has become it looks rough um, artists generally hate their old shit though yeah you know it's pretty totally. common yeah that's true yeah. So, but, but between uh, between, the, uh, I think it just he didn't it didn't have the star power, or mm-hmm. the eye catching enough art to make it you know catch on. So that's I think a big reason yeah. why it fell into obscurity. It didn't have a, it didn't mm-hmm. have a Frank Miller. It didn't have an Alan Moore. It didn't even have a Denny O'Neill at the uh, helm right. other than as an editor. If it had those things, we might be talking about it different, but that's the way of comics. It, so much of a story's mm-hmm. endurance depends on the creator, or especially the artist, whether mm-hmm. or not the story is, you know, good or not sometimes. Right. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. And then it's also kind of like, if I have the if the Long Halloween didn't exist and he didn't draw off the Eye of the Beholder stuff, how much would that change things and yeah. stuff? Would this yeah. still, it probably would still be an obscure comic, uh, but then the stuff that it contributed, how much of that would be buried? Yeah. You know, would we be talking about completely different Two-Face stuff? Would we be talking about completely mm-hmm. different views on Falcone? I think Falcone would just be a forgettable mobster from year one. Yeah. Uh, at yeah. that point, all that type of stuff. He wouldn't be in the Nolan movies. He wouldn't be in the Batman. This, this comic did make an impact as much as it seems like, okay, it's definitely derivative. But it contributed so much, it's almost, it's kind of weird that it, it sort of needed to happen at the same time. Otherwise, it completely changes everything that happens afterwards, as derivative as it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it comes from other sources, you kind of needed something to show those ideas. Um, so that's kind of my view on it as well uh, here. But one thing I do want to get to is, you know, we've acknowledged in this podcast then that, hey, Long Halloween takes its mob stuff from The Godfather. It takes the mystery ending from Presumed Innocent. It takes, you know, I believe in Harvey Dent and the idea of Batman inspiring criminals from The Dark Knight Returns. It takes the origin of Two-Face from Eye of the Beholder. What the hell does it even originate? So from what I can see, the biggest contribution is kind of what I talked about earlier, which is Carmine Falcone and the downfall of the mob and the rise of the rogues gallery becoming a major point in the Batman's career. Now, talking about the contributions of Falcone might seem a little weird at first because comic fans know that Falcone doesn't start in this comic. He starts in year one uh, from Mm -hmm. Frank Miller and Master Kelly. But I want to emphasize it specifically establishing Carmine Falcone as the big bad of the city in the beginning of Batman's career. Um, This is not actually evident in year one. We think of Falcone from like Batman Begins where he's like he's the main mobster that Bruce comes back to take down. But in year one, he's really not that big. He is in the comic, and he's mainly called the Roman, but I'd argue mm-hmm. the corrupt police department are bigger villains in the uh-huh. year one comic, to the point where when Frank Miller co-wrote that year one script with Aronofsky that we reviewed on this podcast, the Roman is not even in it. Falcone is not even in the script. 
that's how much of a non-entity it was to <laughs> Frank Miller, it seems. Um, the Long Halloween also even gave the Roman a name. Now, Year One has a panel where a character addresses him as Falcone, but he's not even in the panel. And it takes some... We sort of take for granted that he's talking to the Roman there, but that wasn't always the case. It just seems like he's talking to somebody named Falcone, but it doesn't necessarily connect the Fal Falcone name to the Roman. And we actually see this in another comic. In Secret Origins number 50, this character, this is Ted Grant Wildcat saying, quote, this creep Falcone is no mayor, just another of the Roman stooges, implying the Roman and Falcone are two completely different people. Mm. And Falcone is the name of the corrupt mayor in year one. So Loeb is just basically saying, well, there's somebody named Falcone in here. I'm going to assume that the Roman is Falcone here. And that's how we get Carmine, the Roman Falcone. Carmine, of course, is the name that Loeb gives, either as a reference to Andrew's favorite, Carmine Infantino, who's here on the left. <laughs> One of my heroes. <laughs> or there's another godfather mobster named Carmine Cuneo, who's the guy who gets shot in the revolving door and is also a mobster with a mustache who wears a rose on his lapel. Um, also, there is a character named Don Falcone in The Godfather. Just pointing that oh out. Oh my god. Um, but he's in charge of Los Angeles, not Gotham City. Uh, but anyway, it's the long Halloween then that establishes the Carmine Falcone we know. The big bad of Gotham's old days, and that carries over into Batman Begins, into Gotham, into Justice League action even. Uh, the Telltale <laughs> Games and the upcoming movie The Batman with John Turturro in it, but the idea that this is the big guy to take down and how he's going to get, you know, the throne will be usurped by the rogues gallery. That is pretty much where I think the Long Halloween gets should get the credit for in terms of its contribution to the mythos, if anything else. And as well as highlighting a lot of the ideas that, sure, other people came up with, but it's sort of made more famous. Uh, so knowing all this, let's then answer the question, is the Long Halloween overrated? So, what do you guys think? Let's start with uh, let's start with Zach this time. Uh, I don't know. You've made me think about this <laughs> a little sorry. bit more now. I was it was going to be a very strong yes after we talked for a long time, and this is coming from mm -hmm. somebody who is. I would say I still am a fan of that story, and I still am a fan of sure. Dark Victory and Haunted mm -hmm. Night. Um, I think it is overrated. But I also think that it is important, uh, like we said, you know, Eye of, the Be Eye of the Beholder is just like one part of it. And I think it's an important part of comic book history in that it has inspired so many of uh, like the recent films and storylines therein. So I think it's, an Im it's important that it exists. I... I do think it's a little bit overrated. I, I actually especially felt that way after watching the animated film. Maybe it's because even the animated films can never quite like reach my experience when reading these for the first time. It's sure. like it never quite hits the mood, which I think that's it's kind of individualized. It's, it's everyone's perspective is mm -hmm. going to be different. But it just never quite hits the same for me whenever I am seeing the animated film compared to the uh, comic book. So... Even the animated film, I thought, was like, huh, this is not as, as like, you know, interesting as I thought it was. Not that it was a bad film or anything, but it, mm -hmm. uh, overall, I think the story is not as 
good as I think people make it out to be. I think it has very uh, important ideas. Just like we said, it's uh, the biggest idea being, you know, not only the introduction of Two-Face, but the rise of the rogues gallery. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that's a really important idea and storyline in the Batman mythos. But I do think it is, as we've seen, very derivative of multiple sources of other media. And uh, yeah, it's just, you know, there are better Batman stories out there. So it's an important Batman story. But yes, I do think that now I can say it as as an adult, not high school version of me (laughs) or middle school version of me. Whenever I first read this, it is is a little bit overrated. Mm -hmm. All right. The very long Drawin. (laughs) <laughs> okay <laughs> what do you think after we've gone over all uh, these different sources yeah i'd say it's a little overrated especially the the you know godfather lifts really bring it down <laughs> a few notches for sure uh it's just a bit too much there mm-hmm. also there's something kind of disconnected from the gilda who is the killer story mm-hmm. and this meta the 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 crime lords the gangsters are going down and being replaced by the super villains these mm-hmm. those two ideas are in there but i don't know how do you guys feel about that it's just a little bit there's something they don't direct i guess they directly could i don't know there's something that's not they're not woven together as strongly as they probably could and then maybe I if, the if it wasn't were, yeah if it wasn't holiday is that what you meant I was just going to say, if it wasn't left so damn ambiguous in the comic, I think the idea is that Gilda is, um, what's the word I'm looking for? She's unintentionally giving a rise to the freaks. If if we're saying that Gilda is right, like the right, main right. holiday killer, Let's and she's doing now, that, yeah. be- if, if we're saying that, if she's doing that because she wants Harvey to stop working, to stop being like the DA, to stop his war on crime, uh. to take, if she's doing that to take away his focus on his crusade of justice so that he can be with her and, and, you know, make a family. She is unintentionally creating not only two face in a way, but she's also given, uh, given into the rise of the freaks with these, attacks on the on the crime uh family so i think you could look at it that way is that it is you know as much as we're saying it's it's overrated it could be interwoven if if it's not so un uh, left ambiguous as to if gilda is the killer or not i think maybe Mm -hmm. then there's a a connection there actually i'm going to seed my argument there i think that's that's what it is i didn't make that connection until you spelled it out for me so thank you well, for that. hell i'm making it i mean yeah it's, it's <laughs> ambiguous in the comic mm-hmm. but if it mm-hmm. if it I, is gilda then yes i think that does make sense and it's like look what you have wrought with your maybe what could have been well i guess it wasn't good intentions but <laughs> she wanted one thing and then it got it spiraled into yeah super yeah. villains yeah so mm-hmm. um I guess I guess that's it. I remember and I remember when I read the comic which was not that long ago, guys. I read it pretty late in the game. I did not read this in high school or whatever the fuck. I read it like a year ago for the first time. You get to that <laughs> splash page of all the villains at the end, right? Ooh, yes. Yeah. And I remember 
being underwhelmed as fuck. I, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't give a fuck about it. Wow, really? I was really? like, I was like, this is stupid. I don't like this. Why is this the best thing ever? Mm. Uh, you know, and but I'm. You have to have some comic literacy, I guess, that I didn't huh. have at the time, or I don't know what it is, but. Well, or it's overrated. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> that, that, I felt like that, that splash page was supposed to be like, "Here it is, motherfucker," and it was like, yeah. "I don't give a fuck." Like, I, I was, I was into Gilda. I was into Two Face huh. and their deal. I was into mm. Calendar Man, which didn't fucking pan out to goddamn anything. <laughs> this last splash page, I don't care. I don't care about mm. that. So. Um, that was kind of my takeaway. That being said, I did like the overall style of the animated movies. Mm. Like it's kind of directed well, I thought, and um, them having a concerted effort to remove the Godfather influence was a good thing. <laughs> and um, the music was cool, and I liked the heavy lines around them too, like a real comic mm-hmm. book style. But, yeah. Um, but the uh, yeah, I you know, not that it's the best thing ever. It doesn't have that splash thing either at the end, right? In the in the movie, I think it does. It does. It has, uh, it has a not... pan, like a without the yeah. pan. It's there. a pan. It's the closest. It's a little bit better than I don't know. Something about that was okay to me, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, they're not striking okay. a pose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not striking a pose. So I thought I was like, it's pretty cool. So I don't know. Yeah, I guess I'm done, guys. Ben, <laughs> we're gonna end on John, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. <sighs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So all right. Is the long Halloween overrated? This is the most loaded question. Mm. Um, uh, <laughs> the, personally, of course, I of course I think so, mm-hmm. and I think whether, but I think the answer really it goes back to being subjective. It all depends on what it depends on a number of factors, like when you read it, how much yeah. you cared about Batman yeah. when you read it, mm-hmm. how much you read other stories when you read it, um, and just what and really what where you took it emotionally with you from there mm-hmm. um for me again i read it when i was i was young enough to really feel it i rode the wave when it came out it was mm-hmm. like my equivalent mm-hmm. of twin peaks and x files i mean i watched x files too but i it was water cooler it was water cooler discussion yeah. when it came out <laughs> and without yeah. that without that mm-hmm. element of waiting each month for the story I'm kind of surprised it's carried on being so popular. It's it's one thing to watch a show when you're watching episode to episode, but now it's the it's the binge problem where you can just go through it all. It's not it's not the same effect, but somehow mm, it yeah. still continues to be popular. So obviously it has something else going for it, and it's not just that DC pushes it; people find it and they re- and they're receptive to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a lot of those people, it is their first Batman comic. Mm-hmm. it's so it's commonly available in bookstores my girlfriend um who's already huge into batman she found it at hot topic when the nolan films oh, came yeah. out yeah. yeah wow that's how okay. that's that's how common it was it reached people in mm-hmm. ways that most comics did did not do not and yeah still can't um and because of that to call for me to sit here and call it overrated, me who's read all these things from such an early age and knows all this stuff, it's almost like gatekeeping and snobbery. I don't want to be yeah. that guy. I right. don't want to be that guy. Mm, I, see. I mean, yeah. 
I'm gonna. It's, it, it, this this is this will sound. This is it is condescending to say, but I sort of feel like that it's like baby's first Batman. But there's nothing wrong with that, honestly. You gotta mm-hmm. start somewhere, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and if you restart with a comic, if you're actually reading a comic, that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And my, you know, I used to be bitter about it, a lot more bitter and angry about like I have the beholder getting erased, and. But as time has gone on, I've realized, as I said, that this story was important for getting people into the rogues, mm-hmm. getting people into the relationships of Batman and Jim Gordon, Harvey Dent, Harvey Dent as and as a per, as you know a, a a supporting character, a heroic figure. They got that from this book, regardless of where whether this book got it from. It, they right. that's still yeah. where these readers got it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the best thing I can do is encourage that. Encourage them yeah. to, to, you know, read the more stories. Please dig in. There's a whole history of stuff I'd love you to read, and I hope they do. I, I A lot of people will pick this up. They'll think it's interesting, and they'll never pick up another comic again unless it's it's re- recommended or becomes a movie again or something. Sure. But if it brings some people into the comics to and the Batman to dig through the other stuff, that's great. That's wonderful. Um. Mm-hmm. So, um, is it overrated? It really depends on what it meant to you. And there's another factor, which is that some people don't want to intellectually engage with and dig through the layers of the story. There are people who don't think about and don't care to think about the twist, maybe about Gilda, maybe or maybe not making sense. Because it doesn't matter. They, the twist was the twist. They accept it and they go, that was cool. And don't mm-hmm. think about it. Mm-hmm. And that's it can annoy the hell out of me, but it's all but it's it's, <laughs> it's okay. You can you can you are free to dig in as much as you want or not. And for a lot of those fans, Long Halloween is an emotional experience. It's about riding mm-hmm. the operatic waves of this of Tim Sale's artwork and those big splash pages and even the big rogues thing at the end, which did nothing for you, Drew. Which I think is <laughs> I'm sorry, which everybody I think is, on the end. I I think that's well, I think it's hilarious. I think it's hilarious. kind of cool that you weren't emotionally swept up in that. Like I imagine <laughs> most readers go, "This is so awesome! I don't want I don't have yeah. to stop and think about all the rogues." I mean, if you stop and think about all the rogues, like we're gonna wait in a tableau for the Roman to show up <laughs> at any second. But well, like, like no, who who's the kill- pose, who's the killer? The the who done it aspect, the detective aspect of it, is a lot more interesting to me. Then, like, well, I mean, it's cool that the villains are taken over. They've amped up the level, but mm-hmm. it just doesn't feel like that should be the point of the comic. And also, the other thing is, like you just said, John, the, how you come into this comic. I came into this after seeing all the Nolan movies and everything mm-hmm. else. And, uh, like, on all these lists, like, best best Batman comic of all time. So my expectations mm. are through the fucking roof and yeah. it ends on this stupid splash page i just don't <laughs> i don't care it's just my expectations were way too high when i, I was like when i was 13 and i was reading this it felt like i mean i came out with batman the animated series being the gold standard the regular mm-hmm. batman comics at the time weren't giving me what i wanted the right. way batman the animated series did. i see yeah and when i read long halloween it felt like batman the animated series but now you're older you're cooler, you're edgier, mm-hmm. you're darker. This is yeah. what you graduate to. And yeah. it, that's what it felt like at the time. Gotcha. And 
So, you know, there, there's and that is an emotional aspect that some people can have when they read the story, one of whatever emotional aspect they have, that you can't criticize. You can't, you can't, you, you can, you can't logically criticize someone's love for something yeah, um, true. as to a yeah. certain point. And believe me, I've tried. <laughs> like yeah. Batman Forever. Subjective. <laughs> hey, I I love that movie. I love that. I love yep. that movie. Um, yeah. Because we are fans. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's the problem with. I consider it overrated, but it, it, whether or not it is, I just can't. I cannot say because it's not my place to say. Overrated doesn't necessarily mean you don't like it either. You just feel yeah, everybody yeah. likes it too much more than they should. But it doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean that you yeah. don't like it. Yeah. I, I yeah. really do wish my, my biggest problems ultimately are I think the, the only thing that really bothers me is the way it changed Gilda forever. Because I feel uh, like Gilda Dent was a very important character who represented her relationship with Harvey Dent, especially during her few appearances in the 80s was a really powerful metaphor for loving someone struggling with mental illness mm, or struggling with addiction. Okay. And she was a she was this character who could see through the man inside the monster. But at the same time also didn't accept didn't want the monster, didn't accept the monster and would lay boundaries and you know not be with him until he reformed. Mhm. And she would wait for him in some in in a, in a way, and she'd always be there. Some, some even as a friend, she would be there for him. And I always found that beautiful and mm-hmm. heartbreaking. And because of the way she's changed, the whole dynamic is changed. Because now she is part of the monsters as well. She's part of, yeah. she's part of the freaks and the evil and the darkness that's that pulled Harvey Dent down. Mm-hmm. And. That and now she's known and defined as a femme fatale, as a dangerous woman. Um, two stories. The Long Halloween movie came out this year, and an issue of Batman and Black and White both did separate versions of Gilda Dent, the dark, manipulative killer. Mm-hmm. Um, who, mm-hmm. yeah, and that is who she is now. And that—that's the part that really, more than anything else, I just can't let go of right now. That still stays with me with Long Halloween's legacy, and I wish Gilda could have could have a chance to go back to being to having that unique dynamic of loving of loving a man struggling with a monster of loving a partner mm. dealing with mental illness or um drug addiction because two-face takes that you know metaphorically as well mm-hmm. and i miss that that's that's that that right there is my only other problem with the story at mm. this point so gotcha that's it basically I got to follow John on this. Uh, <laughs> this is my problem when I'm in charge of the order. I mean, I, I agree with a lot of, of what has been said here on it. So if I'm going to contribute anything, it's it's something that I think, Andrew, that you brought up offline, where just like some of the best, considered the best Batman stories are considered the best, not necessarily because of how good the story is so much as the ideas presented in it. And I think this one has a lot of fantastic ideas presented with the rogues gallery taking over from the mobsters, a Hannibal Lecter type thing with Arkham Asylum, Two-Face's origin being as part of this, Batman having to do detective work and that type of stuff. Um, all those types of things, all in one package with art that, you know, I think, John, you said very well, which is the Tim Sale art kind of feels like the adult Batman the Animated mm-hmm. Series in a way. And this is what you graduate to. Uh, and all done through 
something that these days we see like oh we spot the influence on the nolan stuff when we read it all those things um i think that overall emotional experience is what rates it for that high even though we can spend all day ripping apart where certain elements come from or how good or not good the mystery is or whether or not you had an emotional reaction to the splash page at the end (laughs) any of those sorts of things um the fact that it had those elements and showed up and was for many people their first comic or their first experience finding out who harvey dent was in the first place uh, or of establishing the character of Carmine Falcone so that he could be the first baddie of Batman Begins, those sorts of things. Like, is it overrated as a story? It seems like all of us are sort of in agreement on that, but is it overrated in terms of its impact on the Batman mythos? I would say the answer is not at all because of the fact that it was so influential. We see so much of that influence on it, and it kind of, as I said earlier, it kind of has to exist. Uh-huh. It has to exist in order to give birth to all these other things that it influenced. And, and uh, I would rather be in a world where it does exist, where there is some popular form of Two-Face's origin mm-hmm. than a world where, oh, Two-Face got an origin called Eye of the Beholder, but nobody uses him anymore, and he's just kind of an obscure villain. Uh-huh. It's like that type of stuff. So between those, I'd rather go with this one. If I had a main issue, it's, it's the fact that uh, the original sources aren't given enough credit, but I feel like that's also something that's not completely the comics' fault so much as the fault of DC Comics for not really acknowledging mm-hmm. the Eye of the Beholder or promoting that one as much. I just wish that that was as available so that comic fans can read both versions and just come away with like, okay, I like this one better or that one better, or at least know this is where those ideas came from. So that they can judge for themselves on that. Because there's probably some people who've read both and they still prefer the long Halloween because they like having more of the rogues gallery in that. Or they like Mm -hmm. having Falcone. Or they like the Godfather references and that type of stuff. And it doesn't bother them. And that's completely fine uh, on that. But at least give them the chance so that we don't have stuff that is just flat out inaccurate. Which is how these ideas originated from there when it didn't really originate from there. Uh, that doesn't take away from your enjoyment from the story whatsoever. I don't think any of us are saying you shouldn't be fans of it. We do, however, like to put an emphasis on where the origins come from on it. And so some promotion or acknowledgement of the original sources, I think, would go a long way on that. But that is pretty much where I stand on it. So that is superhero stuff you should know. All right, so we have a few fan comments from everybody. Uh, but before that, I want to thank our research assistant, Dan, for gathering the visuals, especially the Godfather comparisons, but the comparisons in general. Um, so thanks a lot, Dan, for that. Let's now go into some of the fan comments. So uh, we have a first one from Down North, who commented on our sort of community posting on our previous episode about how uh, why uh, Bruce Wayne just... Doesn't, why doesn't he just use his wealth to stop crime in Gotham City? Down North commented saying, uh, it needs Bruce Wayne more than anything. <laughs> okay, so oh, be God. prepared for yourself. I read this one. Batman yeah. is the worst superhero ever. He literally goes around and beats up on the mentally ill and poor. Why do I say that? Because all the people in his rogues gallery don't go to jail. They go to a mental institute in a freaking asylum. And all the people uh, in his rogues gallery... Oh, wait, sorry. I already read that. <laughs> 
the, <laughs> all the henchmen that he beats on the most are poor taking a job as a henchman bruce wayne can literally hire everybody in gotham giving everybody a living wage because he's like the richest person in dc comics but no he spends millions of dollars driving a tank in a personal bat jet and crashes into buildings costing millions of repairs that is the definition of privilege so like i said batman is the worst hero and p.s why has social services investigated I think he means not investigated the death of one of his orphans that he adopted, Jason Todd. If only we had an hour and a half episode where we addressed every single one of those points, guys. <laughs> yeah. This eh, is a... Had to put it on the books, Ben. We got to take care of that. <laughs> this is a classic uh, example of somebody that didn't that commented and, and didn't watch the fucking episode. Yeah. You know? I wish yeah. we addressed all of these in detail. Um, either that or this person's being sarcastic. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Th- it doesn't seem sarcastic. It's hard to read. Hard to read that intention. Yes. <laughs> so well, uh, thank you for your comment. That's thank right. You for your comment. Hopefully, you actually uh, watch the episode at some point. <laughs> uh, next person did watch the episode, and that is uh, a good fan of the podcast, Green Arrow, aka Robert Schumann saying Gotham needs Batman to save the citizens of Gotham, but Gotham needs Bruce Wayne because he's a genius playboy billionaire philanthropist. There are a couple of villains that are left out uh, of our episode. The Mad Hatter, Killer Croc, Killer Croc, Clayface, and Man Bat and Harley Quinn. That is true. So, real quick, if we're talking about how the rogues gallery would still exist even if Bruce Wayne was a philanthropist as opposed to Batman, Mad Hatter also doesn't turn to crime due to economic reasons. Yes, Killer Croc is poor, but also doesn't turn to crime for money so much as fighting society for treating him the way he looks. So, maybe he could have gotten extensive treatment if Bruce had paid for it, but that's a maybe. Clayface in different versions happens because either Basil Carlo gets recast in a movie remake, or Matt Hagen comes across goop in a cave, <laughs> yeah. or, or gets force-fed all the stuff in the animated series. Yeah. But none of the Clayfaces are really that financially driven. And Man Bat was a science experiment gone wrong, and Harley fell for the Joker, which also doesn't really have anything to do with uh, you know, needing a job, because she was already employed. So uh, that's pretty much what we got for those. Uh, and then last comment comes from the Ben Cave episode we got here. Oh, so wow. this is from Nathan Wade on it saying um quote i'm way too late and you just keep saying it wrong but it is will m defoe not william stop saying william william's name wrong and then a comment underneath saying stop saying william defoe (laughs) well you know what my apologies sir if i've mispronounced your name but let's bring you on real quick and ask you how do you pronounce your name william defoe all right, well, that definitely clears things up. <laughs> I'll be so, damned. Have I been saying it wrong all this time? This is not right, though. He's fucking with us. It's Willem Dafoe fucking with us. <laughs> so that's what we got. Anyways, <laughs> thank you for your comments. That's, that's, My mind is blown. I knew how to say it. I'm surprised I didn't call you on that, Ben, when I was I never corrected there. Ben. I was just letting him say it, but now I, maybe I'm wrong. All of us are wrong, including the man himself, so... <laughs> On that note, <laughs> Jesus Christ! On to Andrew with the Patreon. It's Willem Dafoe in my heart, but uh, all right. Um, <laughs> so, thank you for those wonderful comments, everybody. <laughs> um, so, um, and thank you to our Patreon supporters who include Shastas, Leomo, Super Inframan, Douglas P, Dan D, Aaron Willett, Nick Noah. Jesse E, Jeffrey R, Scott V, Askers Webb, Jeremy H, Alex of the What Mean Podcast, Ian Justice, Jared P, Paul C, Jamie H, Rochelle L, and Tara or Tara M, and uh, 
I, I can't wait for the day, guys, when we have so many. We'll just have be like, here's the list, and they fucking go like in some YouTube, some YouTubers yeah. do, oh. some other <laughs> YouTubers nice. do. That'll be nice. But until that, until that day uh, comes, uh, thank you guys for being our Patreon supporters. I do appreciate it, and also our other supporters: Spark Again, STCT Productions, Robert Schumann, Kooky Noms, Matt Herring, Elijah B, Samrock Balls, Ian H, Walter the Robot, John Wells, Rye Guy, Jackson Putnam, and Tway N. Please join the Shasta Army. That's the $1 tier at patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. Get you the $1 shout out. Then uh, uh, we also have the $5 tier, which is the whole other show, everybody. $5 a month. Cancel anytime. And then <laughs> and it's deeper dives every Friday. This show is every Monday. So uh, you get us twice a week if uh, you know you mm-hmm. pay the $5 tier. And then um, uh, we got the $10 tier, which is our monthly live show, our monthly meetup. And uh, we have uh, we all meet up online and it's it's like a Zoom, but it's not Zoom. It's anyway, we uh, will react to shit all together live. uh, And it feels like we're in person. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, as close as possible, as yeah. close as we can get. Uh, so anyway, yeah, we also have Superhouse merch, superhousepod.redbubble.com, superherostuffpod.threadless.com, mugs, shirts, shower curtains. Uh, we're still working on the art for one of those sites for uh, Zach. <laughs> so, so it'll happen one day. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's too funny every week. I think I'm not doing it because it's funny. <laughs> anyway, please send us some audio. Uh, I'm ashamed to the audience for not sending us anything lately. Hmm. Uh, Superhousepodcast at gmail.com. Send us something, please. Got to ring the fucking shame bell from uh, Game of Thrones for everybody. (laughs) 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 But anyway, uh, please animate our... Well, we don't have sketches lately anymore, but... (laughs) Yeah, don't worry about it. (laughs) Yeah, fuck it. Uh, We only have like four hours worth from the backlog. Yeah, if you go into the backlog, fucking animate our sketches. (laughs) <laughs> no one's even noticed they're gone. Anyway, um, so uh, Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. That's me. Thunderwolf lives on uh, YouTube. Check that out. ThunderwolfDrew.com as my portfolio. You can see my work there, which is um, practical effects behind the scenes photos mainly. And it does have my uh, <coughs> video portfolio there as well, which is going to soon include Amino Recon which is A-M-A-N-O-R-E-C-O-N. Go to AminoRecon.com. And that is, uh, the artwork is by Zach Atavius right here. Fucking awesome artwork. And uh, it's going to be an R-rated sci-fi horror comedy. And it will have like a tone similar to Stranger Things, but have like a Power Rangers influence as well. It's not a fan film though. It's original. So mm-hmm. uh, remember that. And, and as you can see from the poster, we got aliens in this shit, and uh, stay tuned for that. More things coming your way for that very soon, and uh, it's going to be on Indiegogo, which is like Kickstarter, but for indie films. So we're mm. going to have contributions. We're going to be opening up for campaign contributions at some point in the future. Ben? Shout out to Comic Capital on Instagram, as well as the Everything Entertainment Club on Clubhouse. You can follow our social media in the meantime. Twitter, we are Superhouse Pod. Instagram, Superhero Stuff Pod. TikTok, Superhero Stuff Pod. And we're on Vero as well on Superhero Stuff Pod. My website is Ben Juan Ryder, and my YouTube channel is in the description below. 
You can also check out Early Bird at earl-e-bird.com. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Rider, as well as my son's Instagram, my cat, Alfie, at Alfie Pennyworth Cat. And if you have an Alfie yourself or any other sort of cat like the co-hosts here, <laughs> then you can get Whisker Box, the only cat box for the crazy cat lady and gent, where you can get a special gift uh, box for your cat every single month. And if you don't have a cat but you have a dog, then you can get the Bark Box, y'all, because that's what we talked about <laughs> in the program. <laughs> So the for bark your box canine, <laughs> for your pooches, yes, your, your hounds, hounds. your hounds. Yes. So you can use the link in our uh, our affiliate link, which is in our website, in order to get the first month off free, valued at thirty five dollars, in order to get the bark box for your dog every single month. Uh, you can also check out the rest of our affiliate links at superherostuffpod.com slash shop. We got eBay. We got Amazon. We got Whisper Bidets, I think, still. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> we have a whole bunch of stuff. So yeah, we check got that out. And uh, over to you, Zach. Well, if you would like to see more from me, like my artworks, you can go to ZacharyJacksonBrownArt.com and you can also follow me on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Also, look for Zachary Jackson Brown Art. I am taking a bit of a hiatus from comic book characters right now it's october so i'm really just doing horror movie characters at the moment but uh mm-hmm. i'm sure i'll get back around to batman very soon as usual <laughs> i've already got commissions for keaton just beating at the door so uh <laughs> just left and right future thumbnails <laughs> yep that's right they'll he'll come back soon enough mm-hmm. awesome and uh, over to john uh, yep, I can be found on Tumblr and also Twitter at about-faces uh, at Tumblr or Twitter. And I will be linking anything I'm working on. I've got a couple new writing projects that will be posted, hopefully, oh, nice. Um, nice. by the end of the year, uh, talking about more about Two-Faces history. And um, I will hopefully be able to update. I'll be, of course, updating both those um, with it when that happens. But for right now, that's still where I live. About Dash Faces on Tumblr and also on Twitter. Awesome. All right. And uh, I think that is about it for this week. Uh, I believe. Thank you for joining us for the long Halloween and answering whether or not it was overrated. The answer is up to you. Took you two and a half hours to find that out, but that's where we're at. (laughs) If you're still listening. (laughs) (laughs) If you didn't shut it off. Oh, man. And you know what? I want you to do us a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about us. (laughs) Superhero Stuff You Should Know is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network.